wait, this isn't a first film. <laughs> no, it's not. Unless Review of the Decade is a first film title, in which case we massively <laughs> apologise. Um, this is actually a new type of episode for us, a sort of like a special. So alongside the debut films, we're going to be doing an episode every now and then about topics that we feel are sort of worthy of a chat, uh, something that we want to expand on and have a discussion about. So for our very first one, we thought we'd take the gargantuan task of looking back on the decade, which is an absurd challenge in and of itself to cram in under two hours. And to just remember all films like 10 years ago, we've split this episode up into various topics to cover for the decade. But we should set some expectations. There's just no way that we could possibly cover all the amazing films that have been released over the last 10 years, as well as cover all aspects of film and news and just everything that's happened. Um, it's just too much to do. So instead, we focused in on a few topics and kind of done our best to comment on things that we feel we can add some value to and to kind of generally try and review things as best we can. Um, so we've heard loads of voices. The OG crew is back together for the first time before Nightcrawler, I think. Oh, gee. We, Benas wasn't on Nightcrawler. Or yeah, but we had American Pie. We had we? to lick our wounds American after American Pie. Pie. Yeah. <laughs> there, was some, there was some pretty deep, deep divisions. Benas, you conveniently missed Love Actually. I, oh, don't, I know it was your favourite movie. God damn it. Curtis. Yeah. We can do it again for you if you like. <laughs> should, we just, should we just use that this time to do it again? Sorry, Film of the decade is Richard Curtis's, all of Richard Curtis's movies. And we also all have a top 10 list of favorite films of the decade and some notable films of the decade which we can get to later as this is the uh, first film the first podcast of 2020 mm, yeah. i guess my question would be what did everyone binge watch or see over christmas because that's quite a big movie watching experience right um, it is but there are also classics that, that go far far back right so things that you christmas tends to be the time you watch something that you've seen about 15 times like home alone Weirdly enough, yeah. did not watch that this yeah, year. Yeah, I didn't watch it this yeah, year either. Yeah. Star Wars, I watched a, a lot of them. It's a Wonderful Life. That's I a, did my uh, annual tradition of uh, watching The Guns of Navarone, which oh, I, actu yeah. I actually always do. You do this, yeah. I love that film. <laughs> <laughs> have, you seen it? have you seen it? Everybody's doing these like heartwarming films and you're like the deer hunter. On <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Eve. So, sorry, what's, what's that about? Uh, basically, it's not a true story, but it's the sort of thing where it's, it's set in, um, I think it's the Second World War, but there's these massive guns on this island called Navarone. And basically, a, a small squad is sent onto this island to blow up these guns. Sounds a bit like uh, Kong Skull Island. Well, no, it's, <laughs> it's, one, it's one of those... That's a good mention every episode. It's one of those films How where... How that take? Five minutes. It's not a Christmas uh, film, but it's always on a Christmas. It's like The Great Escape. Oh, really? Interesting. It sounds quite epic. I feel like if that was made today, that would be quite 1917-ish. Mm. It's worth a watch. Yeah. Great. Okay. <laughs> Guns of Never Own. Cool. I finally watched The Favourite, uh, which still I hadn't seen, seen before. You've still not seen it? Nope. Um, interesting film. And I guess uh, it couldn't possibly live up to the hype. Yeah, that's a good movie. Really good movie. Yeah, Yogos Lanthimos. And um, I guess, I don't know, I feel like a big part of the hype must have come out of the fact that it's just... Uh, it's a well-known trope shot very differently. Do you know what I mean? So like it's shot on GoPros. Because because it's, <laughs> it's weird. when I was when I was looking up the reaction to it, it's funny how actually the the popular reaction to it is quite negative. So Amazon reviews or whatever. When you're just like reading what everyday people think of this film, it's got like two and a half stars on Amazon where I bought it. Really? And most of the reviews are basically obviously like Downton Abbey fans, people who <laughs> people who expected a sort of nice yeah. sort of period drama. But it's a really good film. Really weird film, but a really good film. Nice. I'm um, glad I finally watched it. Uh as I said before I watched, um there was there's like a Star Wars channel 
on Sky that just plays Star Wars movies on on repeat. So watch Revenge of the Sith. Had a good cry about that. And then A New Hope, which <laughs> was quite mad. fun. They got um, their own channel. Yeah. And then I also watched the new Netflix film Fighting with My Family which I don't know if anyone's watched, which is the Stephen Merchant written and directed movie about um, WWE wrestler, this uh, girl from... It's, it's on Netflix, yeah. but it's not a Netflix yeah. film. Oh, sorry, it's not a Netflix yeah. film, no. But it's on yeah. Netflix, yeah. 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 Um, and it's produced by, like, The Rock, and it's about the real-life story. Dwayne. Isn't he on the poster, like, he's the, one of the main characters? But yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's highlight right. in it. <laughs> pretty sure he's photoshopped in it, because that picture's from Norwich. Yeah. So I'm like... That's a really rock. weird collaboration. Yeah, so basically, God. this, this, this uh, woman called... Page, who mm. made it huge in the States as a wrestler, but she's from Norwich, from this like wrestling family. And The Rock, when he was in the UK, watched um, a, a Channel 4 documentary about this family and was like, oh, that would be quite a good movie. And like, he sort of knew about her through wrestling, obviously. And so he, yeah, he got Stephen Merchant to write and direct it. <laughs> it's a directorial it's just, debut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is and it? it's, it's sort of this mad mix. It's, it's, it's a really good movie. Yeah. I, I would recommend okay. it. Okay. Uh, it's oh, quite a heartwarming film to watch for Christmas. God, that reminds me. I um, speaking of Stephen Merchant, I watched Ricky Gervais's um, uh, invention of lying <laughs> yeah. on a train journey because I had nothing else to watch, <laughs> and it was the worst film I think I've I, ever seen. I, I do. Remember I usually that. quite like Ricky Gervais, at least all of his TV stuff. That was when he was going through a stage of doing like big movies in yeah. the states, trying, trying to be big yeah. in, in the states, it's and he was always playing like a dentist or like a, a lawyer or some <laughs> yeah. sort of like. Yeah, he was finding his feet, bless him. He was trying to trying to build a name for himself. Mm. Definitely has now, hasn't he? I bought myself, so I bought my sister um, Garden State for Christmas. Uh, when I say I bought my sister, I mean I bought it for her for me to watch. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm sorry, I watched that over Christmas. That's also a directorial debut. Yeah, Zach Braff. Yeah, great movie. That's a great film. He Mm. needs to make more films. I feel like Mm. he's only made that and and uh, Scrubs. Scrubs and then Wish You Were Here. Like The Last Kiss. I don't know if you directed Oh, yeah. He's in that. But... He's in that, yeah. Um, Benas, what did you watch? Um, surprisingly, not a lot. Um, it was very boozy Christmas, dude. Any, <laughs> Maybe uh... you watch loads and you just don't remember. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Any Maybe. cinema cinema watches? Most recent would be Jojo Rabbit. and Yeah, I saw that this week as well. What do you think of Jojo? Well, it was really funny. Mm. Um, satire, obviously. But um, I think it's a great film. Taika. He has his own brand of humour. He's carved out his own kind of thing that yeah. you can only get from his films. And he's kind of like being eyed to direct a new, write and direct a new Star Wars film. And I'm thinking, like, how would that translate? Is that is that he is he doing that? Um, he, he directed yeah. an episode of The Mandalorian, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what started watching Mandalorian. Yeah, I don't think his humor would translate all that well on a Star Wars thing. I'd like to watch the episode of Mandalorian that he directed, mm. just to know, because obviously John Favreau and he, a few other people. Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard. She's directed an episode, apparently. I think so. Nice. Yeah, JoJo's good. I I found it a little bit confusing with the accents. Like, some people had a German accent, and some people yeah. just sounded Aussie and Kiwi. <laughs> yeah, and it was so like, true. what's going on here? <laughs> but Very inconsistent. I, I suppose it added to, like, the weird... Anyway, we're not the JoJo Rabbit <laughs> podcast. No. More recently, watched um, Little Women. Last nice. weekend. Oh, yeah. I watched that two weekends ago. I've only, I've only heard good things about that. Yeah, it's very mm. good. It's very good. I've um, seen it, but just reminded that I watched Parasite. Really? Yeah, that's nice. really good. That was, that. so that's good. the number one film like, that I want to see this year. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah just from what I've heard. This year? Oh, uh, well, well, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah it's, it's, like you put him on a spot. I'll, like. I'll ask you that question again on December the 3rd. Yeah, yeah. No, 20, 2029. The hype around it's real by the sounds of it. And yeah, no, it deserves it because... Like, there's so many plot twists there. They're just like, mm. oh. So is it a comedy? No. I mean, I heard that they're, 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 they're talking about doing an English remake already. An yeah. American remake. Um, it's going to be a miniseries. Right. Oh, with Adam right. McKay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, that, is that necessary? 
necessary. Necessary. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is that a bit patronizing to say like we'll we'll? I don't know why. There's no need for it. Yeah. He's involved with it. Um, Boon Jong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how you say his name, but yeah, he he's he's I, making it. I don't so. think it needs it, but um, I don't. Know. As, as a film, it was like one and done kind of film. You know, yeah. like there's there's no need for a sequel. There's no need for any of that. Is it fair to say it's one of those films where speaking of Oscars, it would yeah. be a bit um. It'd be a bit of a shame to sort of pigeonhole it into the foreign films category. Yeah, yeah international yeah. film. I think it's just a good film films. as it is, just because you have to read subtitles. I mean, you know, you shouldn't put it down. Just it's a foreign film because mm. I know you need to make a a film in English language to be considered for best picture. No, I think I think Parasite's in there. I think it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Best so director. I think. Does that mean no? It's in for best, best film. Is it? Does that is mean it? it's it's kind of weird. How does that work? I haven't heard of there being a foreign film or is it a non-English film. An international film. Yeah, in um in the best picture category before. I'm not sure what the rules are on it. Mm. Um but in any case Parasite looks amazing and definitely everyone should recommend probably go it. And see it. We saw Uncut Gems last weekend. Yep, Lou and I did an Uncut Gems Which, uh, um, session came out sweating. <laughs> <laughs> and Jonathan Bra- was it Jonathan Bradshaw in The Guardian said it guarantee he guarantees this will be the most exciting film of the year. Really? He's like betting wow. on it. He's like I okay. saw it in the first week of the year and it's going to be the most exciting film I of 2019. Doubt it. That's a headline grabbing yeah. Guard- Guardian headline classic. Guardian. Well, yeah, we've I've been laughing so much at all the Guardian headlines <laughs> that review this film because they're all talking about like one was talking about how it's like a knife fight in a phone box. <laughs> no. One's like talking about how you'll get a panic attack in the first half hour and yeah, it's, it's like, like ambulances <laughs> need to be outside cinemas. <laughs> what the fuck? That's not true. It's basically yeah. basically like the the everyone's agreeing that it's a great film but it it causes it's you stressful. absolute cold sweats and mm. it's, it's Why? really terrifying have you seen Venice? no I haven't but I mean, like I mean their, their genre is kind of becoming slowly kind of anxiety inducing I feel like their <laughs> movies are, are, are very well good time is high octane kind of yeah high octane kind of I, sh- I don't trends. know I didn't feel any high octane watching good time I was like ah cool mm. alright well yeah, sure right. <laughs> shit's, shit's happening on the screen cool I don't know just steal over <laughs> just slightly but I was just in the back of the cinema praying Russian roulette <laughs> 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 you get Ben in a rom-com and he's, the anxiety the, so you get him on a Richard Curtis film and the anxiety levels are, are high through the roof um, once it's going to finish yeah no Sweaty. I don't know there's something about I guess the, the, so first of all there's just a tone so like how it's made like you know loads of shaky cam loads of people like talking all over each other and the very little structure to, 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 um, to the dialogue or anything mm. that just makes you really on Tense. edge because you're just trying to follow what the hell's happening and then there is just the plot which is built in a way that it takes you on loads of complete like dummy plots so loads of stuff that gets like built up as is this going to be the big event that 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 causes like the next big plot twist goes nowhere (laughs) <laughs> great and, what and, a payoff and there's like 17 different little subplots going on only one of which ends up driving the plot forward and so you're you're kind of stressed out but also all their films seem to have kind of a, well not I don't know if necessarily all of them do having watched The Pleasure of Being Robbed with Sparrow which was te- <laughs> technically their first which was yeah. sort of a, or, here, or Josh's first because Josh's just first one of them, yeah. But yeah very low key complete opposite to Uncut Gems Mumblecore it has just core. We decided it was just the mumble, core. Yeah. There's barely any dialogue in it. It's just core. <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. It's cool that Safdie's having their moment. They've been yeah. grinding for like the last 14 years on the indie filmmaking scene. Yeah, so 2010 to 2019, um, end of 2019, this decade, uh, we've kind of split out into a couple of categories. I suppose the first one we can tackle, which is basically what we tackle every episode anyway, is the rise of streaming. 
movies, which we've talked about. At, Is there anything at, we haven't basically covered? We've talked yeah. about at, at length. I can't necessarily point anyone to direct episode where it's talked about, but I'm pretty sure at the start of every episode, it's like, oh, people keep watching stuff on Netflix and not going to the cinema. Um, it's not cinema. At the start of 2010, I think streaming on the whole was kind of finding its feet and it wasn't necessarily, well, it wasn't anywhere near what it is today. Over the last 10 years, the way we watch films has kind of completely changed Mm. in in regards to any other decade. 2000s to 2010, I think, was more cinema based and obviously maybe DVDs were a bigger thing. Because Amazon, they had love film and that was, you would rent rent the DVD they would send it to you that, yeah, that that's it. how you and you'd send it back Netflix, Netflix did the same thing yeah. it was so slow <laughs> this is what I mean <laughs> so digital became a thing yeah. much bigger thing than it was um, so also in the early in, in 2010 Blockbuster was still about the, the, the rental shop oh that yes. place so I heard that Netflix approached Blockbuster about kind of joining yeah but that was uh, in early days and then like 10 years later that's when they tried to yeah, bo- yeah, yeah. Blockbuster but the streaming yeah, it, is, it is a meteoric rise because I remember in I don't know whether it was 2010 yeah, yeah. the Netflix store I always uses. Um, uh, yeah. There was a a, um, a lecturer was looking for a, an obscure film called Cool It, which was an environmental film. Um, and he's like, if anyone sees anywhere you can watch it, let me know. Um, and Netflix had just kind of come out, and there were adverts on TV for Netflix and stuff. Yeah. So I signed up to it because you can get, as you still can, the, the month free trial. Um, anyway, this film was on there, so I then went and told him, and it was like, in hindsight, this is it's a bizarre conversation. It, it was like, yeah, I found this film. It's on this website called Netflix. You won't have heard of it. <laughs> and, and literally, he hadn't because no one had. Um, and now, ten years later. And you get it, you got it on DVD back then, or did you, or did was no, that this, streaming? This is still streaming, yeah. Mm. But it's strange to think that now, when someone's like, oh, "I saw this film," and most yeah. people's first question is, "Was it on Netflix?" or "Is it is it on Netflix?" I mean, Netflix now it's more of a studio than than yeah. just a streamer. Yeah, a studio. Own... Yeah, so yeah. Well, that's much true. Like a Warner Bros. or something like that. So it's gone from being a kind of like service that you where you watch films to somewhere that actually is make w- films. W- yeah, with Scorsese. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's amazing how it's ended the the yeah. decade with dominating the Irishman yeah. and the start of the decade you know people are probably I renting Love Actually off it I'm still wondering how it, how it works are they in, in debt the amount of films they have must be an ongoing debt yeah I've heard that it's, that it's kind of you know it's just this thing where they got to keep subscribers up keep making stuff and that annual annual content budget is 12 billion dollars <laughs> that's crazy 12 billion dollars they can't be making a profit <laughs> no 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 um, so you've got Netflix and then I suppose then Amazon Prime and, and you know, loads of other movie. stream movie, obviously, shout out, uh, which have which have kind of risen over the last decade. BBC iPlayer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you joke, but BBC uh, yeah, had no, a great, great decade. You've you got to have your TV license, though, if you're going to use that. Yeah. Just make I sure, said, I, make I sure thought, everyone knows that. I would have thought this has been a terrible decade for the BBC because these competitors are coming in and like muscling it out. They seem to then make a series or something that everyone, you know, they, they go in spikes where they make something that's kind of it's true. great from what I can yeah. see. Yeah, and also if you think about what the, the heartland of the BBC is, it's more, it's it's probably less kind of cinema, less kind of big, big, you know. Oh, it's uh, it's more TV, isn't it? It's it more, is yeah, current affairs, it's soaps, it's uh, presenter-led content, which I guess is still a big part of TV. I guess so, but don't they make like pretty high end TV? When they do, they do, yeah. when they do make something, it's always high end. So like Dracula. Yeah, yeah, so that's that is years you know, and years. Like yeah. Planet Earth. Yeah, Planet Earth. Because this decade is kind of like the golden age of TV, mm. or at least TV has risen to be this. Yeah. In some ways, more cinematic than, than films. Maybe radio's making a comeback. Maybe, maybe that's next. <laughs> like the Archers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> BBC Radio Four listeners now just like sweating. <laughs> Hey guys, what was your favourite Archers episode? 
But no, the way we watch films is 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 completely different. For example, Uncut Gems is going to be on Netflix in ten days. Yeah, and so, there's, and The Irishman, obviously. Yeah. Dead. So it becomes like you know, do you do you bother going to the cinema to watch these things anymore? Or are you just going to watch them at home? And I feel it's like every years. um, they probably we we would have had the same conversation at the end of no. two thousand and nine, right? <laughs> but but the the there's a continuing trend of home technology improving, um, which basically coupling that with the fact that content is available at home. Yeah. Uh, it starts to push cinema arguably further and further into the fringes um, when you're thinking about you know whether to enjoy content well like invest in a huge tv and sound system yeah yeah mm. exactly um interesting to say that i don't think you can replicate cinema cinema yeah louis, i had this chat like, with louis yeah. a few weeks like, ago when i went to see jojo last night it was full so people are still going to cinema Jojo, it's more expensive just taking Jojo as an example because it was a wildly funny film that I yeah. think most people found funny it was such a great cinema experience to yeah, have yeah, that yeah. in exactly. the same room as everyone would I have laughed at this if I was by myself and there wasn't a room full of people laughing not that the joke wasn't funny but sometimes yeah. there's that like extra laughter that happens when okay. people are just enjoying the scene around you yeah, yeah. yeah there's definitely that kind of like communal experience there like I remember seeing Halloween in the cinema and the tension there was palpable because you know a lot of people were at we're sitting on on the edge waiting for michael myers to come out so whereas sitting at home maybe that that feeling wouldn't be so heightened yeah yep. so i think home, home entertainment and stuff clearly has improved but i think taking louis point there, there's i think even if you go back a few decades it would have still been the same art so, so say like early 90s when people had like videos people would have said well this is going to be the end of cinema because yeah. you can watch yeah. them at home now yeah and it's true. like well no but you still it's not the same as a cinema experience mm-hmm. and so nowadays even though the home experience is better than yeah. say the 90s um it's still not the same like you said that mm-hmm. argument the comes up every 10 years yeah, so like exactly. when the tv came out the actual television back in the 60s or 50s whatever they said this is going to be the end of cinema yeah and yeah. that argument has been coming it's up still every going. 10 yeah. years yeah. Yeah. so i think cinema will be just it's fine. kind of an inspiring rallying cry for to go to the cinema <laughs> yeah it's, it like, is a bit. it's it's never gonna die i suppose also then you've got not just at home but you know you've got watching it on your ipad or your iphone or people watching <laughs> like your <laughs> gravity on their phone on the bus and it's like not sure you're getting the full experience here so yeah i don't know and also i want i was in thinking about this topic i was wondering whether or not the access the easy access to films has kind of maybe slightly made everyone a bit more of a critic than oh yeah than everyone's full of opinions yeah. exactly yeah going back like even 10 years to the start of the decade perhaps yeah. like your shared experience with someone was if you'd seen it at the cinema yeah and then rewatched it at home on a DVD or something. Whereas, like now, I suppose if you've watched it, you know, I often talk to people about things they've watched on Netflix, and it's amazing how many people are like, oh, I've watched half of it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> there was that fact about how a, a large number of people on actually haven't finished Fish. The Irishman. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> probably because it's so long, and, no, and, and Sparrow probably <laughs> adds about 50% of that. But, but, um, there, was, there was that popular trend of people breaking up into a miniseries, wasn't there? Yeah, oh, yeah. No. There was a guy that had figured out what time you should yeah. stop them to, to get kind into of, six episodes. Get, yeah. Oh, my goodness. No. That guy actually that is, was that's bad, Sparrow. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually quite funny, though. But yeah, the kind it's, of. It's bad people not finishing films and maybe thinking that oh I watched the you know the first 10 minutes and it wasn't for me you know obviously if you've gone to the cinema and you watch something yeah. you've got to sit through it but actually it might be that by the end of the film you like yeah. it you like it but that's okay so that is a weird statistic so in the age of binge watching everything where they release they literally release all the episodes at the same time for you to binge watch 
people can't finish what a three-hour film that's a really good point there's an interesting psychological effect there isn't it that people have no problem sitting still and watching stuff for three hours but watching (laughs) one single thing for three hours is a big demand i I was gonna say i think it's to do with just the patience of of like allowing a narrative arc to take that long to bend do you know what i mean yeah i mean with so with episodes right it kind of has to wrap up much quicker and kind of the end of the episode needs to kind of have some sort of cliffhanger right whereas as a film especially a three-hour film you're allowing it to breathe so it's a things to really develop and ramp up obviously that ramp in let's say the irishman that ramping up is takes time right so maybe that that's why because you know with series they they know they have a 60 minute window or whatever to really get you engaged to to watch that next those next 60 minutes right the second episode or whatever but with uh, scorsese's film any film when when it's given that much time even like once upon a time in hollywood it knows it, ha- it has that much time so it's like le- letting yeah not giving you immediate reward exactly whereas yeah. people now really want to be rewarded instantly for that shit i would say as well the two tv series i've enjoyed most this decade is westworld and chernobyl yeah. and they were both tv series which i because they weren't on like netflix or amazon or whatever yeah. they were ones that i watched Week by week, week by week. Yeah, yeah, so Chernobyl came out over five weeks. Westworld came out over ten weeks. And I remember, like, you know, Uh, you look forward to it. You look forward to it, yeah. And and it gives you time to digest that episode. I remember episode three of Chernobyl, which is like one of the most harrowing. Like people at work were like, "Oh man, that was bad." I wonder what the next episode is going (laughs) to be like. And that was kind of interesting. Whereas if you'd binge watched all of it, maybe someone's opinion would be. And people, I don't know, more flat in some ways, perhaps, yeah, or more conclusive. They wouldn't digest it properly. They wouldn't think about it. Yeah, because it's like a attention span is fucking short these days. Mm. That's so everything's kind of forgotten about. It's, it's a bigger cultural thing about memory erosion, but it's basically like there's just so much stuff coming out that when something amazing comes out, yeah. it's replaced by something else amazing that you then forget the last Constant thing. And go in so on. much stuff that it's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Where do you kind of draw the line with yeah, your yeah. interests? Like there's so like just. What, like 500 TV shows a year nowadays? Yeah. Give or take? Like, not all of us. There's just too much to watch. Yeah. Like, I'm still Absolutely. behind, yeah. I'm behind yeah, on yeah. so much TV. So, yeah. It's interesting thinking about how films are like landmark events once upon a time. Whatever you thought the movie, mm. it has cemented itself as like, this is a new Tarantino film mm. that's coming out on this date and it's going to happen and, and it's here as opposed to kind of, you know, like being replaced so quickly. Well, that's another thing of like, so someone like Tarantino, he famous, famously said that after 10 films is going to, retire so and go to tv that's all he's gonna do <laughs> yeah, exactly that's, i'm pretty sure that's his plan and so all of his films he doesn't he doesn't really make them like every two years or whatever um so when when it does come out it's like a nolan film like it's, it's a big event and he even in his advertisement it's like the ninth film from tarantino or whatever yeah or the eighth whatever, yeah yeah whatever it was ninth yeah yeah so it's kind of like for with him i suppose it's approaching this kind of weird end with filmmaking maybe i don't know so it, it automatically is a bigger deal so funny how netflix has also carved out i mean we're using netflix as a kind of term for like streaming which mm-hmm. i suppose it has come but like this whole kind of true crime genre that they've carved out for themselves oh yeah that's which, them know, that's theirs that's theirs yeah. yeah and they've kind of if, it, if there's any yeah. you know there's some messed up story about someone <laughs> usually in the states that's done something terrible in like the usually. 90s that needs to be uncovered through a series of episodes and yeah. cctv footage they're the guys who are going to do it but then there's a lot of um there's a school of thought that says that netflix will see its demise soon right as uh, as content owners basically start to take back their content yeah and put it mm, behind a paywall that's, that's a big thing. Um, yeah so this is referring to like disney yeah who's going to come out apple 
Or the thing that these guys are already rolling out in 2020, they're like streaming services. Yeah. And I guess a big part of the reason for Netflix scrambling to make their own content, which they've done very successfully in the last, probably just last year or two, but not, not a huge amount since, not a huge amount before, is that they know that as soon as content owners take back kind of proprietary uh, rights by, of their content, they'll obviously, they'll lose the rights to, to stream it themselves. Yeah. And so that could basically mean that you, you, you start having to subscribe to like 15 different platforms. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was yeah. Which, which is basically stuff. what cable TV was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like you yeah. would, yeah. A package so, deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like, it's not, this isn't the beginning of the golden age. This was the kind of brief flicker in which <laughs> everything could be accessed through kind of one seven ninety nine a month for subscription and, and it's going to change again. So over the next decade, everyone's coming after a piece of the pie. Piece yeah. of the Netflix yeah, pie. Yeah, you'll go back to a sort of more traditional model, theoretically. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I think Netflix is still going to keep going. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. But the point is that like they will have to rely on the content they make themselves rather than well, Netflix has being always the been... hub for everything. True, but Netflix has always been full of shit movies from the I don't know, 90s or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> and actually, I got recommended a film on Amazon Prime the other the other week, and then it was like, you may like this. And I was pressing right, and I was like, yeah, I would love that. I added it to my list, and I was like, yeah, I would love that. And I went through like 10 films where yeah. I was like, hang on. You these know are, me. I've never seen these, and they're on Amazon. Yeah. Like, Amazon gets looked update over your 1999 <laughs> website. <laughs> <laughs> like, me. Yeah. yeah. Show me them. Yeah, Netflix yeah. is so intuitive. I mean, sometimes it is. Sometimes it suggests stuff where you're like, I'm not sure I'd be into that. The <laughs> algorithm didn't do that well. But yeah, I suppose, yeah, I suppose the last decade in short, streaming has become a huge, huge aspect of it. So in thinking about so streaming, obviously Netflix, but there's only like two, three big ones. Yeah, Netflix, Netflix and Amazon. Yeah. I don't consider Hulu to be a big thing. Well, in the States, apparently it is. Is it? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I hear I you. always thought Hulu was a joke. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's turned into a, a more fair enough. But the yeah. question is like now that now that the the behavior, the consumer behavior is so established, mm. why if you were a Fox or Disney or yeah. whatever would you not basically take back everything and start your own platform? Yeah. Well, that's yeah, true, that's exactly what they're doing. But Disney can because he owns a lot. Yeah. Not, not a lot of companies can do that. Yeah. I read a I read one sort of um you know, out and out prediction for the next decade, uh, which was saying that Apple will probably buy Disney, that it would be an interesting move for them and they can afford it. Definitely can afford it. And just... it would be a way of creating this sort of essentially monopoly of, of content. And yeah. Steve Jobs and Bob Bob Iger talked about it at some yeah. point and they're merging their companies into something. Yeah, I doubt that would happen. I mean, it would have, be, have it, you got insight on this, Ben? Let's make some money on the side. Yeah. <laughs> I, my shares wouldn't vote for it. <laughs> it would, it's odd, basically, whether or not it happens or not is beside the point. It's odd to think if it does what what that would look like. Yeah, well, it's a competition thing as well, so yeah. it'd be difficult to, that to merge be, it or buy it. But you, mm-hmm. you know, it's, yeah, it's not and just if that. You had, if you had Apple's like cash flow, their sort of liquidity behind content budgets for Disney. Mm-hmm. then it would be really interesting to see what Disney would make. Because Apple are kind of trying to make their own creative shows, uh, kind of original shows now, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, to, for, that, their, for their streaming network. So they made what? They rolled out Good Morning. Yeah, which is meant to be very good. Not um, seen it. Yeah, that's kind of the main one I keep hearing about. I suppose that's at some point one. Netflix, you know, launched and had a bunch of titles that it... Yeah, you it's, know. it's full of those yeah. at the moment, right? Um, in any case, it's all good news for filmmaking. Mm. Is it? Yeah, I think so. I think in I mean, we're going to merge some topics here, but indies, for example, I think Netflix has really helped indie filmmaking. It's mm. given it a platform for films to go to. True. Obviously, it's not it's not as simple as like just get your film on Netflix. Thunder Road now on Netflix. I don't I don't know. I mean, if so, when Disney bought Fox, right? Basically, now there's one less studio to pitch to 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 because they had Fox Searchlight. Oh, and apparently Disney has dropped the Fox from yeah twentieth century. I read that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, change the theme tune as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because <laughs> I think yeah. So JoJo was uh, Searchlight. 
and I was wondering if, if have they cut it cut the uh, title I didn't notice no. I, didn't, I only read that after the film yeah yeah, yeah which um, is called Searchlight yeah, yeah. It, no it's still fine um, I thought they were going to kill off that part of it that anyway. whole sub brand yeah what were you going to say about indie films and Netflix oh so, so with indie films I don't know it just feels like the more content so yeah it's fine for filmmakers to actually go with them because they'll you know they'll have a platform for their shit to be on but it doesn't feel like the quality of of the content being put out is very good so when you had studios uh, although yes you had a lot of shit films as you would makes sense but it was a vetted more vetted process yeah, yeah, it goes yeah. through yeah, yeah, exactly. There is that argument with the Six Underground film that's come on Netflix from Michael Bay. Yeah. How it's like, like you know, even... give Scorsese like unlimited control and you mm. get Irishman, give Michael Bay unlimited control and you <laughs> yes. get some kind of like crazy, yeah. crazy movie, which I haven't seen it. So I don't, you know, I've not got an opinion on it, but it's just interesting to think yeah. of different filmmakers being given free reign. I also feel like, so I feel like streaming is also going to be like a, there's bound to be slightly more pressure to do more and more kind of box sets, like binge worthy kind of for want of a better word, TV series than than film. Because I feel like I feel like if you're Netflix or Amazon, the reason you do film is for credibility. It's for your like for your reputation. But it for won't be particularly lucrative. Seasons. Exactly. It's to try and like create a name for yourself as the <clears throat> as like a genuine player in that yeah, field. Yeah, yeah. And right now, and probably for for the foreseeable future, cinema is the place to do that, to like build a name for yourself. Yeah. But if you're if you're if you're like an exec at Netflix, you obviously realise that it's much more makes much more fiscal sense. It's much more lucrative to find like a Game of Thrones, and you can just milk that cash cow for like yeah, ten years. Yeah. So I guess the streaming pattern would mean that films are kind of like they're going to focus on making films that with the big names that sort of like get their their reputation up to the top of the top of the list but then actually most of the kind of new work will probably be more in the TV I wonder where you go up from Scorsese yeah yeah but I mean it says a lot that that's like that's what they go for. They don't go to like Jim Cummings and say, let's make something. They go to... <laughs> hey, they might, baby. They hey. might, they might. They, they go to like the biggest film directors and make a four-hour film. Did they go to him or he went to them? They they basically... He went to a bunch of people to try and get money for the film and no one wanted to, yeah, exactly. to front the money and they and they did. I think Netflix desperately wants and has now got um to get the critical acclaim like yeah. to be yeah. to be to they, be taken they want seriously. Oscar. They want an Oscar. Yeah, with Roma because Roma was a Netflix film. Mm. Yeah, they got a, it was not. It was uh, it was distributed by Netflix. It's not a Netflix film. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Fine. Uh, my mistake. I, I think it's distributed by Netflix. Whereas the Irishman, they actually fronted money for yeah, it to yeah. produce it. But outside the world of filmmakers, I think that's a kind of benign point because yeah, yeah. To, to audiences, if if the if the thing you can now believe is that you can just watch on Amazon the best films. Well, it's like when we went to see Uncut Gems and the end from Netflix came up at the start of the movie yeah. we were joking that like they would go on the menu it would be like on the cinema screen they'd go on the menu and like click on uncut gems everyone has to like, <laughs> log in on their phone yeah. Yeah. start playing it um, what I mean is uh, so when let's say a film wins the best picture it goes to the producers right so if Netflix didn't produce Roma they don't have that Oscar so it's not really yeah I think awards is always about ego anyways so for them, it's well, more of an ego thing to actually win an Oscar now. For the Irishman, it will be theirs. It's also the it is also about consumer perception. Like people, um, if, if even just five years ago, before Manchester by the Sea, people would probably build a bit of a kind of like difference in their two categories in their head, and one is like serious films, mm. and that comes yeah, yeah. from the studios in Hollywood, and then the other category is like binge worthy content, and that's sort of like the Netflix, yeah. Amazon, but yeah, but yeah, but Netflix, Netflix want to be taken, want to be take exactly be a big player in the exactly. serious game as well, and yeah. and the way to do it is now, no, no, or whatever, yeah. Yeah. and no one would deny that now, right? They're basically 
like Amazon and Netflix make serious films. Amazon, really? I would like. I still haven't seen Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Just... great movie. It's on my list. Yes. Oh, is it? Mm. Same We watched that in we did. New Orleans. Yeah. In the cinema. Over a steak. Yeah. <laughs> we went to the cinema in New Orleans to watch Manchester by the Sea and they were like serving full on food in the cinema. Right. <laughs> there was a waiter who would really walk like, it? Yeah. They like, would literally walk in front of you and like, blocking the view of the movie being like, do you want like a 12 ounce steak? Yeah. It's like, no. I like just some teary scene <laughs> yeah. going around. Like, I'll get my medium rare. <laughs> It's so silly. Um, I'd love to be a fly on the wall, like a kind of Netflix strategy thing, because because I guess content strategy. One way you that sentence would sound so boring to some people, but to you, you're like, like, I gotta be there. (laughs) I gotta be on that wall. (laughs) If you could be anywhere in the world, where would you be? Netflix strategy meeting. (laughs) Well, no, because the reason I say it is like, I it's easy to look back and say, which I think I I did. Like, it's easy to look back and say, like, oh, they they decided that true true crime was going to be their thing but maybe actually it's just a complete trial and error accident like they've got 12 billion a year to spend on content and they, think they make what it was. so much crap yeah. i say crap yeah, yeah, yeah. like obviously lots and of then see what sticks yeah and i suppose like in a, in the world of of like huge amounts of content to so 500 things a year being yeah. produced i mean they probably just like throw loads of stuff out that wall that yeah. i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> one of them yeah. yeah. uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah um but there's gonna have to be you're right like some sort of I feel like direction that they go in so that they sort of build a bit of a name for themselves in in one particular stream of content. Well, with tr- so with true crime, they definitely, I think they noticed it later that people like to watch a lot of that shit um, because stuff like Mindhunter and that Ted Bundy things that came out, those were recent mm. when you think of Netflix. Yeah. That was very recent. You? That was another. Th- yeah, I know you mean. Yeah, it's, in that it's, spirit of kind it's of like, kind of like different drink. executions of that genre. Like they can be real, or they could be like Mindhunter, which is based on real, but it's like he's based on a book, right? Yeah, but I mean, it's like a cinematic. You know, it's different to making mm. a murder. Is my point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, mm. Jesus, that one. And it's <laughs> funny. I mean, that. actually, there's like, um, there's nothing new about that about that genre, and knowing that it's addictive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because so there used to be sixty minutes on TV, right? Yeah, yeah, well, like yeah, Nightcrawler. Yeah. <laughs> Since like Agatha Christie, and like you know, yeah. even like Sherlock Holmes, and all these kind of like these these yeah, yeah, this yeah. sort of genre of like crime and who done it and crimes sort of always. One thing um, that um the Netflix has started doing, which um I feel is quite a recent thing, is um what I would call really short form things. So kind of like twenty minute episodes, ten minute episodes. For example, explain explained. Has anyone seen that? Oh yeah. 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 So yeah. they can, they can be like fifteen minutes, or there's um Bite like or lo- kind of Love, Death, and Robots. There's like seven minute oh, yeah, episodes on there. Mm. Yeah. I've I've never seen it on kind of normal. You know, to get an episode which is like seven, eight minutes long. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't really happen. Yeah, it kind of ties in with how easy it is to watch it, isn't it? Yeah. Like watch it on a phone on a seven minute train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if they'll start doing more of that. People. A lot of people love explained. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. It's great. And it's, it's actually, good. it's one of the things it, it, that you, you admire it most for when they realise that they they have a, an ability to make content that can be watched in a certain sort of frame of mind, like, you know, on your phone, on your commute. Yeah, yeah, into, yeah. Into work. And it's quite good when they actually, like, embrace that and therefore make content that that, that can be digested like Fits that. Fits to it, yeah. I really want them to do a meta episode and be like, explained, explained. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix explained. Netflix explained. Netflix is a streaming website. Um, we could probably talk about this forever, yeah. but I suppose going into the next decade, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I doubt, I doubt people are going to start subscribing to, like, 50 different... Well, that's, that's why Disney's subscription is like I think it works out to be cheaper 
than Netflix. Basically, Netflix can charge you whatever they're charging, but other platforms can't now because they know that people won't actually go sure. go to them. Sure. It, it would take it. me a lot to cancel my Netflix membership in 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 response to something else. Mm. I, I feel I keep canceling and then subscribing subscribing again to get day. that free month. <laughs> yeah. Nice. You just admitted that publicly. <laughs> Anywho, in that strategy meeting, they're like tearing their hair out about you specifically. There's this guy in the UK. <laughs> How do we get him? Well, we're on the subject. There's another guy in the UK who won't finish the Irishman. <laughs> um. So another area that we were going to chat about is um, this has kind of been the decade of reboots. Oh, yeah, yeah you're not wrong. Sequels, reboots, yeah, that kind of thing. This ties into the whole chat of original movies. There's also some interesting scenarios where, like Mad Max, which may or may not be on one person's may films may of the not. decade, is yeah. is a sequel to to Mad it's Max. It's a sequel, yeah. but it's kind of an original film in yeah. its own right. It's not a remake, though. It's a sequel. No, but my point is, is that like they're going back to the well of an existing. Sequ- yeah, and whereas like it, in in some regards, it's kind of an original take on on it. What do you all think about reboots and sequels? Yawn. Yeah. Thank you. Next. <laughs> <laughs> I think if if I was to pick one single trend that is the worst culprit for the decade, it would be it would be the the remakes of kind of nineties classics. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Disney specifically is the culprit there. I think it just shows a. It obviously it shows a lack of imagination. Obviously, there's the kind of like artistic problem with it, which is that it's you know it's completely void of any sort of even like strong new interpretation of existing stuff. I think the biggest kind of crime of it is that that they spend huge amounts of money on content that could be spent elsewhere, could be spent on the next Lion King. Yeah, but who wants to... Lion King already has sequels. No, no, sorry, I don't mean the next. As in- <laughs> yeah, I, I took me a second. He means like, mean the, Lion he means King like the next iconic oh, thing right. that okay, would cool. be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the next Lion King, come on, I've been waiting. <laughs> so, um, so Disney are going back through their back catalogue of... of animated movies and basically recreating them as real CGI films. Blech. Lion King, um, Jungle Book. Aladdin, is that? A- Aladdin, yeah. They're about to do Mulan. I think that's about to come out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so see that, see, for example, like Mulan, I like the film. So why, why remake it? Like, I, that is beyond me. It's very cynical. It's basically, they realised that everybody who loved the film as a cartoon when they were a kid yeah. is now of an age where they would pay enough money to see it again. As and a, show their as kids. A, yeah. proper, and show their kids, And yeah. perhaps the new gen- for the new generation, uh, essentially to, to I don't I don't to get more viewers I don't know yeah. it's just it's just about it's about certainty isn't it at the, at the end of the day it just comes down to risk like you know if you're going to spend loads of money on a film yeah. why spend it on something that could potentially flop rather than just one that everyone knows is a banker so is it like is it in an era of not knowing what to to make for original films there's an assurance in remaking older stuff I think because you know I think, there's a there's an audience there for it it's it, it's a filmmaker's well it's a studio's response to a, a financial climate that requires low risk so yeah. it's a, it's I think a very kind of cynical business decision it's yeah. not really a, and I don't, the, I don't the Lion King made one billion dollars two weeks after it came out yeah all of their films made, made over a billion even Aladdin that are there any I was gonna say are there any good um any good reboots that jump to mind? Well, I mean, Mad Max for sure. I know it's not a reboot, and I think when we say reboot, we're also talking about sequels and returning mm-hmm. to existing ideas, like Louis said. But um, Toy Story, James Bond, uh, that doesn't count. Yeah. yeah, well, or does it? I don't I don't, yeah, I suppose in a way, it's, Bond, Bond's uh, never stopped though. 
that like it was it's not like it was kind of stopped and then rebooted it's always kind of bowled yeah. on every mm. two or well, three years I suppose Casino Royale is sort of a, it a is reboot, a reboot in it a is. way yeah, I it don't is know, most it's definitely it's a reboot okay yeah but it's but it's always but, 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 yeah, but the role, yeah but as in it's still the, it's yeah, a reboot rolling, of the character but yeah. it's still returning the, the, to the, the, Bond, the Bond films never stopped for like a decade and then restarted definitely. they always kept yeah, rolling every, every few years and also the direction they took it in was very different to where it had been before so mm. arguably it's actually a, it, it, obviously the franchise existed and always been rebooted in different times but they didn't possibly, yeah. they didn't give into the temptation of just basically recreating 90s but, ones but there's a point Benis, though casino royale is a like probably the biggest shake-up that bond yeah. for the new era kind of yeah. thing yeah. i was gonna just reel off some other facts like so there's big obsession with the 80s a lot of 80s movies have been remade and also stranger things which is an original tv series i suppose with the the kind of feeling of the 80s has come out of that so you've got like ghostbusters was remade um with an all-female cast, and then it's now being actually remade with some of the original cast, I think. Jumanji, which has been remade it's with The Rock. sequel. What do you consider it to be a sequel? Men yeah. in Black. Um, Kong, Kong Skull Island. Kong- <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that, I take it all back, because that was great. Yeah, <laughs> we, was true, I did that. We also have, like, Fantastic... I'm just reading off some of them. And, and some of the ones that I think have, haven't done well, like Fantastic Four, The Mummy, Hellboy... To- I mean, two for me that were big ones. One, especially Total Recall, which was a terrible reboot. Oh, yeah. And Robocop that was soulless. People just Terrible don't films. like ro- the original Robocop is a heart wrenching movie and it's it was totally soulless. Uh, Charlie's Angels just came out recently, t- new Terminator film that came out. Re- these are th- also some of these are recent as well. Mm. Rambo, which I don't think anyone at this table other than maybe Benass would know that there was actually a new one this year. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, Bond, I don't know. Yeah. With, with Stallone. Stallone. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Rocky um, was that this decade? The re. Uh, Creed. There was another oh, yeah. two. Creed, yeah. Creed is actually a really interesting topic to bring up because I love the first Creed film. Yeah. And yeah. the second Creed film is not a bad hit at it's all. Not bad no. hit, but it's just like, you, you, you it's, know, it's a sure thing. Yeah. Like everyone wanted to see, like, um, I forgot his name. Ivan. Um, oh, you mean Ivan his Drago. Actual actual Drago. Actor. Oh, right. I forgot his name. Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Him. yeah. Everyone just wanted to see him and Rocky duke, duke it out again. Yeah. But obviously, this is well, as good as you're going to get. So, Creed was an amazing movie, but yeah, that is a a spin-off yeah. of a Rocky franchise but and Top Gun is coming out soon which is obviously a, a re- return to an 80s Top Gun also you have D- Dune coming out as well uh, that's a remake hopefully this will be good so yeah and also again like Blade Runner 2049 that's returning to yeah. a, to an old film one of my top films of the decade yeah. and I wouldn't I wouldn't scrutinise it because it's re- no, no, would I. I feel like returning, revisiting returning to an original classic story Star Wars as well. And then Alien. spinning off from that to create a new story that it, that it sort of stands up on its own, mm. I think is fair enough. And and also that's not particular to this decade, is it? That's always been been done, you know, sequels yeah. and spin-offs. But the yeah, cash, I think the it's quick it's cash the, grab. Yeah, the quick cash grabs and, yeah. and, and specifically the Disney remakes, which are basically kind of shot for shot, identical carbon yeah, that, copies yeah, of the original. That, yeah, that's it's also that's in, weird. Some of these films like Total Recall as an example with Colin Farrell, which most people probably don't even remember, but yeah, like I remember. the iconic Arnie Total Recall yeah. which is an amazing movie mm. and then like this kind of dark reboot very CGI and it, what are you giving what, do, what is this remake giving that the old film yeah. didn't do is it a Philip K. Dick story that yeah, um, yeah. but well that's the thing all these reboots what happened is uh, Nolan Nolan came out with Batman Begins and everyone saw that people liked dark and gritty hence why James Bond was dark and gritty mm. um, then you have all these to- Total Recall which for an 80s film is actually kind of uplifting yeah 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 so then they're like Johnny oh. Cab <laughs> Blue Skies on Mars but so yeah this age of dark darkness and grounded re- whatever look the whole Marvel thing really kicked off was because of the dark and gritty re- real- um, it's kind of like heightened reality almost, yeah you know what I mean yeah yeah because like 
Tony Stark, uh, the whole Iron Man that came out in 2008, mm. similar time to Dark Knight, the second one from Nolan, right? Mm. And so, yeah, it created kind of a genre in its own. Yeah, that's interesting. To be, to be fair, like I, I guess I'd say, so stuff like The Lion King, where it's a shot for shot remake, to go back on what I said, to in my gut, I'm like, oh, I hate kind of reboots, remakes. But actually, but then when you reference like the Dark Knight trilogy, which I love, he said, well, actually, I can't. I do like a, I do like some reboots. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose what we're getting to is if you're going to return to it, give it a fresh angle completely, and, yeah. and take that hasn't been done by a previous film everything is now dark and gritty so that's why when 80s nostalgia came back which is kind of like uplifting with, which is what you had with Stranger Things and um, uh, Bumblebee it, yeah. it feels like it's the opposite now of what we had for the last 10 years it's, yeah. it's kind of like weird 80s 80s had cocaine addiction what the hell <laughs> 80s nostalgia and returning to 80s foot movies yeah, yeah. Is, a, is a huge thing this decade exactly. it's, a bit, it's a bit of a trope now yeah I feel yeah. Like, and I think exactly. the apex of it might have been with Stranger Str- Things Stranger Things is, I would say is the pin up of yeah. like 80s nostalgia it, it's always the same way so for 10 years you'll have dark and gritty then for the next 10 years you're going to have these kind of weirdly uplifting nostalgic things but then you look at like Men in Black that came out which who's the audience to be fair Jumanji's as a reboot is doing very well from what I understand it may, they make a lot of money that's the thing well you put the rock into anything you yeah, make money that's true what's a shame thinking about going back to Blade Runner is it didn't do very well numbers wise mm. which is a massive shame because critically it's totally up there yeah unfortunate when that happens because it's like we want this film but like Louis was saying The Lion King is gonna do better numbers than yeah, a film yeah. like that is it the, of interest is Blade Runner the same director as the original no, no. Dennis Villeneuve yeah Denis Villeneuve that film I mean yeah that was shepherded by it was kind of moved along by Ridley Scott wasn't yeah, it yeah. so there was like a there, he was, did a, have there was a link to it there yeah. was a link to it yeah because I think well, you, you know, I think Fury Road is the same director as the original George Miller yeah because yeah. he hasn't done that much other stuff apart from Mad Max well he was no. gonna do like Justice League where that fell apart that was around Rider Strike back in 2000 yeah hey. Army, Ham- Army Hammer from Social Network was going to be Batman in that really? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Like cast they, as Bruce Wayne they were everyone was cast uh, they, were, they were almost ready to roll with uh, filming but <laughs> then the whole Rider Strike came about strange to think that that would have happened yeah um, I suppose the other side of this topic is like original films and everyone kind of saying if people take like lots of reboots to mean original films aren't being made which isn't actually true there That's are a lot true, of yeah. original films being made the common misconception with this because there are loads of great original movies being made it's just that they might not get a cinematic release in the same way that a reboot would yeah it's a question of whether it's a zero sum game or not. Like if you've if you've got a huge amount of resource, money, time and attention being poured into something like a Lion King remake, does that then mean that fewer original things are made? No. And I, I gotta be honest, I don't understand the I don't really understand the the industry well enough to, to make a, a a call on it. But I guess the thing that the thing that really irks me about it is that a studio with the power and size of Disney has literally hundreds of people of talent kind of like working on a project like that, right? And for the entire time that they're working on that, they're focusing themselves on something that is not creatively innovative, is not new, is not is Well, not they tried doing that and they lost about 120, 150 million dollars with John Carter. That was a Disney film. And <laughs> John Carter. Yeah. John Carter. Classic. So they kind of learn from their mistakes. But but that's always going to be, so that's always going to be the argument against it, isn't it? It's yeah, you can't make You it. take a risk. Yeah, basically. Yeah. That's, but the question is, the risk can also pay off. It can. And in this, so this is a film on, on my list, which is Get Out, uh, get out get out just get out um, so that was made on what like 5 million right and it made and 250 so million. Blumhouse has kind of like figured out how to make these films on the cheap with 
great reward. Yeah. So like the Purge series, um, Get Out, obviously, that was made on five and the returns were fucking awesome. And then, it, so it was released in January or February. Then it went on to win the Oscar the next year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it really held its own for yeah, exactly, a long time. For like a whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So with that, I feel like horrors have been kind of doing a lot of original stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, they're very linked to low indie budget. films, aren't they? Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a quote that someone said, they said, instead of judging a film from how original the story is, it might be better to judge what a film adds to a familiar story and yeah. how it goes off into a different direction. Yeah. Which is what I suppose what we were talking about with Blade Runner. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, and Blade, Blade Runner. Yeah. yeah. And Bond, yeah. I can agree with that, yeah. But then you enter stuff like Netflix with movies like Marriage Story, which is, a, you know, that's, that's almost a non-topic, but it's just like, it feels like a very indie film. So that's why Netflix and Amazon can do that now. And that's uh, like Studio A24 as well. So they do yeah. all originals and they have been nailing it, like usually in Oscars every year. I guess there's also an interesting thing that Amazon and Netflix don't have the right to remake anything yeah. because they so don't they own any do. old stuff. That's <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that's really so interesting. it's quite good for the film industry that they have to put budget into new work yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and they, yeah. to counterbalance the, the old stuff and they can't really buy old well they can buy old stuff but it's they don't have the right to remake it yeah they might yeah. remake Stranger Things in like tw- in like 20 2022 <laughs> <laughs> guys remember this thing from a couple of years ago <laughs> we're already planning a remake um, what do we think is going to happen in the next 10 years that it, the remakes are going to continue. I mean, it, they, do, it they don't seem like they're slowing down, it at least in 2020. Continue. So I feel like the category that we're talking about shouldn't really be called the like the remakes category. It should be called the sort of the guaranteed to make money category. So in the 90s, that was like the the, the really easy to follow rom-com or whatever. And that was probably in the noughties as well. In the 2010s, it feels like that was the reboot, <laughs> the remake. It was yeah. like going back to the world. The question is not necessarily like, will there be more reboots? But like, what will the banker be in the 2020s? Do you know what I mean? What's going to be the thing that you know you're going to make loads of money if you make superhero films? Possibly, yeah. Fast I mean, and Furious yeah. is practically a superhero film. That makes yeah, yeah Marvel I mean, kind of that whole world is is definitely. And we're, we're I mean, I'm a hypocritical. Ben is probably slightly hypocritical because, like, you know, the new Batman movie with Robert Pattinson <laughs> is being made, and it's like, yeah, I'm really excited for that. Yeah, even, yeah, of course, even of course though there's been like seven Batman movies in the last twenty years or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, and there's probably people that are looking at that going like, do we really need another one? Do we really need another James Bond? It's the same thing. Yeah. But oh, there's a slight difference there because I can't... When you watch another superhero film, it's not Batman, but you can get a sense of that world. Whereas like with Bond, I can't think of anything else other than like Mission Impossible that's very similar to it. You know, Bond has got its own oh, yeah, no, genre. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, they're both based on stories, writ- written stories. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, there's no, no, yeah. no difference there. And Bond is... Bond. But Bond is not a remake. It's always a new story. It's not like you're remaking... Bond. In some ways you are, though. Oh, you know, but it's Casino all, Royale. But, but each, but each well, yeah, there's, there's c- that c- that c- was c- a reboot c- of Casino, the... Casino Royale, okay, fine, that is a reboot because there's a really old one. Yeah. yeah. That's an exception. But in the main, mm. James, each new James Bond film is... A, so this new one coming out, A Day to Die, but it's, a, it's not a remake of... Yeah, I know like, what you mean. The, yeah, it's not yeah, like yeah. it's not like Batman redoing the '90s Batman. Yeah, it's a, it's a new story. It's a continuation of a yeah. da- of the Daniel Craig era. I suppose it did, but but the, the the argument with that would just be that the reason people go and see a Bond film is not on the merits of the film itself, but but because it's the next Bond film. Yeah. So so I guess like if you're thinking about it more in terms of like why would it be a banker and like why would studios always kind of go back to make it? It's just that everyone it that is guaranteed to sell tickets. It's just a massive franchise, like. Fast and Furious. Anyone can direct that film, and yeah. it will, and it will still make a billion pounds or dollars, whatever. Oh, I suppose with with 
Casino Royale though, like there was a the, the I know I know when I know every Bond is not a remake, but is in like I think by Die Another Day they had kind of overdone the tropes sure. yeah. of of all the Bonds. So like in a way they were kind of just treading the same ground. Yeah, yeah. With, with with Casino Royale, like I said, it, they did they did actually properly rehash Refresh it, but also it, yeah. it actually actually was a remake because there is an old Casino Royale. Mm. So that's, yeah, that's, kind of, that's, yeah. that's kind of confused. That's kind of an anomaly like that one. But yeah. The, um, yeah, Bond yeah. is almost the opposite of, of a Disney remake of The Lion King because it, it, for Bond, I feel like the, the popular opinion around Bond is that like the fatal risk uh, around it is that it just loses steam because it's just doing the same thing again and again, mm. which is why they're like, you know, in crisis talks, getting Phoebe Waller Bridge in, and like yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing, they're trying to recreate it, do it differently. Yeah, and with the box set, when you watch enough of them in a row, you are kind of like, this is very similar. <laughs> this is very similar, <laughs> especially the early ones. You're like, okay, he's the villain, and he, that's his play. Yeah, yeah, oh, great. Yeah, and Money Penny. Yeah, all right, fine. I guess that'll be one of the first big things in cinema in in the 2020s. It'll be the new Bond that'll be announced in the next. It's true, actually. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, out, it's out in in April. Some of them. I don't Some mean, the, I mean oh. the next. Oh, actor. sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, it might not be this year though. They might maybe yeah. let it breathe for a bit. They might and... give it a break, which is an interesting time to give it a break. Now that they've got like new newer writers and newer yeah. kind of cast members announced to give it a break now. Yeah, yeah. which I mean? brings so many new minds into yeah, it yeah, on yeah. the last film. Yeah, of this and, then, and they'd be like, oh, well, I'm gonna stop doing this for ten years. Yeah, not to bring up Nolan. <laughs> so anyway, let's. But we will. <laughs> but in, it does tie into this topic because. Tenet, I think, is one of the most expensive original yeah. films of yeah. all time now. The budget for it is 200. over over 250, I think, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. is nuts Just for for a film that has... Original yeah, film. You know, but it's funny to... It's funny for... A, I mean, that as a number for a film is nuts. <laughs> Quarter of a billion. But there are lots of superhero films that have yeah. that budget. Superhero films... Are not uh, an original. They're bankers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's crazy to he- just hear our own reaction to like. So what, what was it? For, what is it for Tenet? Over two hundred million. I think it's two two hundred fifty, maybe. Do you know who's which studio? Is it who's, who's making Warner's Warner Bros. Probably. Okay. But my point of bringing all this up is that um, it would be amazing to see more original films Absolutely. with that kind of budget, yeah. and even if it doesn't necessarily need that kind of budget, because his films have they require that kind of money for. The yeah. ideas they are. Um, so you say superhero films, so Avengers Endgame, that had a fucking shit ton of cast that obviously needs to be paid, son. So that had a budget of $356 million. Um, just yeah. And that's a... They knew they are going to make... It was going to deliver. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you're saying like, like for Tenet, that is a lot of money that for that. That is a lot it's of money, dude. <laughs> <laughs> What's he spending it on? I'm convinced he's building a time machine. <laughs> it's, 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 it's all the front. It's a, it's, it's a good... Yeah, we're, we're, obviously with Avengers, it, yeah, there's like... There's um there's a strength of the franchise, but, but with with um with Nolan, it's literally just you're entrusting Nolan because he yeah. is successful. In with Nolan, we trust. No, but that's what it is because yeah, yeah. you wouldn't just give it to, if it was another director. Yeah, they wouldn't. No, he would. It's a really good get it. So and, does and it does it go back to like do do we need more directors to to write more well, original well, films his, and tra- champion his CV is yeah. that he makes profitable films. He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So therefore, you can trust him to. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. that. I mean, more that. just like, it, do we need more filmmakers to yeah. to you know, push to make, because he's, I know we're all like, oh, we give him a blank check, but ultimately, like, he has to come up with an idea and still sell it to the studio. They're yeah, not just, yeah. just going to sign it off. I guess the, yeah, the argument, yeah, it's a really good point, because I think the, the argument would be the the more great directors there are, therefore, as in directors that people will guarantee pay money to go and see their next film because they know that it's going to be great, 
the less i suppose studios need to rely on the bankers from sort of like you know reboots and tropes yeah. that already yeah. exist yeah. and stuff yeah, yeah. because they can just trust that the director will make a great film and then that's really good for the industry creatively right because it just means that you know there's there's some trust between studios and filmmakers brand though like to make good films that deliver money yeah. but also uh, good entertainment and they usually nominate for, for fucking awards all the time but saying all that Scorsese struggled to get funding for the Irishman uh, it's yeah. true and so it's like well what's going on there maybe he has a special maybe I don't I don't know it's just interesting how Scorsese's like I shopped it around seven studios and no one wanted to make it I guess and then Netflix is, came in there's a difference that's sometimes a between project a... with four Asian dudes yeah but so is Tenet's a passion project isn't it there's a difference I suppose difference. in some people's mind between a great film and a lucrative film um, um, yeah. do you know what I mean I Enemy, suppose yeah. Scorsese, he's been kind of going from one studio to to the other, whereas whereas Nolan has been with uh, yeah, there's a special relationship there for years. And uh, Dunkirk, I think, might have been with Paramount. I guess my point is, is Scorsese comes comes knocking with you know three of the greatest actors ever. Why aren't you giving him money? It's true. You you think any studio would buy his hand off? Yeah. Well, I would have guessed with Scorsese's record. They know they can't put it in the cinema. It's four fucking hours long. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if that was was a was a conversation. If if he walked in and was like, right, the film's going to be three hours before we talk about anything else, but but I mean, basically there isn't really an answer. But I, I take Sparrow's. If 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 I if I was in that million. if I was in that meeting room and Scorsese, <laughs> if I was a flat on the wall, no, if I if I if if he was pitching it to me and I hadn't seen the film and I was just looking at the the sort of the scenario, or whatever the the sort of pitch, I feel like um my criticism of it would be like this has been done before, like you've basically made this film before. Um, and I get that you're sort of putting a slightly different spin on it because this person grows really old and regrets what they're doing. But mm. I can imagine them. I can imagine there being a sort of like reluctance just to sort of try and spin out stuff that's already but been done. Combined with another, the monetary cost of de-aging everyone, which yeah. I think was that that was the, another big Most thing. Was the, probably yeah. The bu- I think the budget was like 110, 120 million. Which yeah. which like think about what happens in the film. They're driving around. They're talking. Yeah. It's like what <laughs> that money has all gone on. On de-aging, like <laughs> we spoke, Nolan being profitable, right? Scorsese isn't not all the time. His last film, Silence, not last film, whatever that, that film was is. a passion project. That was a passion project, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a good also point. another th- second or third of his on religion. Uh, also, so that movie had a budget of forty to fifty mil. Box office was twenty three. That movie was fucking long. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. I guess because he's because Scorsese is a big name. You just. I just assumed that yeah. he was. We're yeah. not in the business, so we don't um, think about. But yeah, no, it's, maybe it is down to the profitability. Well, yeah. well it's yeah. not that simple. Presumably, but... the Irishman has been very profitable. Has it? Um, That'd be an interesting one to. Uh, to as understand. in, like, f- for subscribers, for people who've signed up to Netflix. Well, yeah, they tend to do like they tend to measure views, don't they, in terms yeah. of what that equates to in. Uh, in I love how this has turned into how do we justify the Irishman being made? <laughs> so special, <laughs> special episode. So Irishman's budget was uh, 140 million over. Um, then box o- box office because. It was released for like two weeks or something. Yeah. Yeah. Eight million. No. Yes. <laughs> so, so the monetary so cost is in, is in new subscribers to Netflix as a result of the Irishman. You'd hope so. There must Basically. be some kind of formula where you <laughs> but then measure. don't like twelve people share like one Netflix <laughs> <Yeah>. account. <laughs> I love how we're like, oh yeah, God, he proved himself right. <laughs> I just say, you're fired. <laughs> it is, it is what it is. So, it's, it it's is true what though, it but, is. but just another separate point, just that 
on the on the Irishman and Netflix thing, it does it does kind of muddy the waters as as in like how profitable is that film when it's on Netflix? It's yeah. harder to track. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know how you would track. I read, that. A, I read an article that it was when they were doing Bird Box. Bird Box. Yeah, yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah, and like that was watched by an obscene number. Like Why? Huge. I know. I know. Still but it was, seen it. it was. I think at the time it was by far the most successful thing piece of content that Netflix had ever. <laughs> piece of shit. Netflix. Ever <laughs> I know. I know. Isn't Weird. Like, isn't like a quiet place for it, blind it people. On, but it, I think what I, when I read it, I remember they were sort of they, they use a kind of formula to equate the number of views on Netflix, and it was a quarter of all accounts. A quarter of all Netflix accounts had watched Bird Box. Wow, and, that's a lot. Yeah, and they were trying to equate that to sort of what it would have been in box office sales, and they realised oh, that, that as in like really cinema looked. ticket sales. Yeah, right. and obviously like it wouldn't be the same number because people aren't all going to go out to the cinema. But they use a sort of an equation to kind of work out whether it's going to be comparatively successful yeah. to a film if that's it was funny. in the cinema. Reminded me of. The Choir Place that came out before yeah. Bird Box. Great movie. Yeah. And that was made on 17 to 21 mil. Yeah. And he came back with 340. Wow. Jesus. Knockout. Yeah. 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 So once again, horror, original ideas. Horror is all, I think it will always be the most profitable genre to actually kind of work in. I think this is a good segue into indie film because we were talking about. Uh, Blumhouse which we covered and got out quite heavily um, which was this kind of low budget mm. and then high reapage of money at the cinema yeah Rapage um, <laughs> Uh, and obviously A24, which is a fantastic company, but they started the decade, let's not forget, with the bling ring and they're ending it with Uncut Gems which are, to me is like a huge increase they in... They started with bling ring? I don't, I don't even think the company started with Ring Ring, but 20, had Bling like a, Ring came out in 2010, which is an A24 film. Had a slightly wobbly start with films like that, but then very quickly it's got onto the found good stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously we got Thunder Road, uh, which we already reviewed. But this decade's been pretty good for indies. Totally. Like looking at A24 alone, it's because their films are all um, originals, right? Just looking at, at it now, it's such great films. Um, some not great, some awesome. So like Florida Project. Florida Project, yeah. yeah. Um, On my list. Green Room, Chris Show. So that, uh, yeah. Waves is by Trey Edward Schultz. That's that just about to come out. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was talking Chris about before, Ben. That's what I... Waves. You know, I said, do you know a director who's... Trey. Oh, that's, Trey. That's what it was. Oh. Yeah. I said Trent. Well, maybe, I, maybe I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Trey Edward Schultz. Uh, Chris Show was his first. Moonlight. Moonlight, yes. Mid-90s. 84's done some incredible, they're, they're incredible awesome. things. Uh, Annapurna was another one, but they seem to be losing their feet. But I think, you know, we won't cover ground we've already done but streaming definitely i think has helped indies for yeah. sure Just yeah. distribution changes it gets gets these films into yeah hands. jc talked about this a little bit didn't he about how yeah. he got lots of offers when he screened thunder road to yeah. to kind of be the middleman yeah but essentially give them the rights to your film and let them go and take it and he was like no i'm gonna yeah. jc it up and <laughs> if, do it if, myself if you... <laughs> he's like i made the film myself now i'm, I'm gonna be the middleman myself and then i'm gonna be in the audience watching it myself, myself. and then i'm gonna be the studio exec that signs off the sequel film to myself <laughs> i'm gonna fly on the wall myself <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you're basically in a situation now where if someone's made a piece of film anywhere in the world and they want you to see it and you want to see it yeah. you can make that happen on the subject of um indie indie horrors 
Yeah. Um, one of my favourite indie horrors of the decade is It Follows. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that awesome. really good. Yeah. I forgot who's that, who's uh, that director. Tarantino uh, said that was one of his, his favourite films. It's the guy of, who did of, um, The All-American yeah. Sleepover. Um, that was David Robert Mitchell. David Robert yeah. Mitchell, yeah. Uh, he did Under the Silver Lake, which was... Which I haven't fucking seen. Fucking weird. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so basically, you, you will not last that film, so man. Every, <laughs> everyone, you everyone, especially. Everyone kind of really rates It Follows, and then his other two were like... Mm. Well, It Follows, so even just looking at a poster, it does have that 80s nostalgia that it was kind of built on and that was released in 2014 when did Stranger Things come out 2016 because yeah Stranger Things is considered slightly horror um, so we're, we're using follows. a lot of indie horror examples for indies I'm trying to think of other examples of indies this, this decade that have been good time um, low budget yeah so Safties are a good shout good yeah, time or heaven knows what is, uh, they made a lot of movies that are that are low key and good time found its way onto Netflix in the UK anyway um, I suppose there's also been a lot more critical recognition of indies as well this yeah. decade it's because uh, they kind of went through the uncensored route so they they will always be more critically acclaimed because they're the more adult subjects whereas in a world of superhero movies constantly bombarding you um, that seems to be the more adult film, the more yeah. risk film, the more there's less need for sort of film. universal appeal. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's you also can pick your niche th- and that, that, that freedom is in being, uh, yeah, that niche is the freedom. Yeah, I suppose yeah. there's a big trend in Marvel hiring uh, indie directors. Captain Marvel and uh, Taika Waititi's done. He did a series of indies. Black and Panther, Black Panther, Ryan yeah. Coogler. Yeah. So yeah, there's a there's a trend there. So John Favreau. <laughs> Uh, I think he'd done quite a few things before yeah, before so. doing Iron Man. Just a bit. James Gunn, to an extent, he done he did he did, did super super yeah. yeah yeah. And this kind of links to this whole thing this decade about technology being. I mean, cameras in 2010, oh. like the DSLR revolution, yeah. where you could get video on stills cameras and get like shallow depth of field that made it look filmic. And then mirrorless came out. Yeah. And you got Black Magic, which yeah yeah. Banish and I talk about on a daily basis. <laughs> um, films shot on iPhone, like Tangerine, part of the Florida Project, I and, think. And um, Unsane. So the kind of like democratization of film is linked to the fact that tech has become so crazy good in the last decade. To remember that Tangerine was filmed on like an iPhone 5 or something. Yeah. yeah. And people still um and are about filming things on an iPhone now. It's like way better than the iPhone that, well, <laughs> that that film was used for. Like, is it Steven Soderbergh? He, he made, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was Unsane. Unsane. Yeah. Well, he also made a, uh, a TV show for Netflix. I think it was really? all on an iPhone. On an well. iPhone. Wow. Yeah. They do, I think he's just going to keep filming on iPhones now. Yeah, he's pretty big on, yeah, on yeah, filming yeah. that. But the barrier to entry to make an indie if you really want to. Doesn't really exist anymore. And you've got an idea. Yeah, if you can you can make things super low budget. Technology has caught up, I suppose, in a way. Unless you want to make seventy year old men look forty. <laughs> <laughs> Although, did you see? Did I send you that video about the the, the deep, YouTuber the 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 deep fakes thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. I sent that to you. you. Did oh, did you send that to me? <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, I sent it to lots of other people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, weird. Very weird. But so, also, yeah, you wonder why they didn't just do that. So deep. Do you know anything about deep fakes? They're, they're basically um, a, an AI that scan. It needs like ten thousand photos of someone. And it can kind of then put your put that face on footage of someone else. Facebook's and now banned it. Some YouTuber, I think, took the de aging from the Netflix from from sorry the Irishman the Netflix, <laughs> and obviously because all the actors in it have so much footage of them throughout previous years, yeah. they use this AI algorithm to take their ten thousand images of their face and like improve the de aging 
that Netflix did. So actually, some of the stuff that this YouTuber did, it looks way better than what... Way ne- more natural. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, way more does, natural. Yeah, it makes you wonder, when we've talked about this on Nightcrawler, about mm-hmm. this James Dean being cast in a film, mm-hmm. yeah. um, it does make you wonder in the fu- in the next decade if, you know, actors that undoubtedly will pass away, whether or not that they will... their faces will be used in movies. Yeah, so a dead person. Yeah, he loves the script. Yeah. yeah. Host yeah. the Oscars at Graveyard. Just- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There'll be no one in the crowd. Yeah. Um, it's interesting from a tech point of view to think about how the last decade was finished with um, Avatar. Yeah. Oh my, and so Avatar that sequel two- still hasn't come out. Yeah, so Avatar Jesus. was 2009 and that, you know, frankly, whatever you think of the film, it still looks incredible. Mm. It was way ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, and everyone was going on about that and now now they're making a second and a third and a fourth one. And was that, that, that was like a big thing in the 3D? Yeah. Yeah. That so kind of kicked like, off the 3D. Yeah. 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 And that's Wait, a, which was a bit of a flop, really. Yeah, yeah. And that, that actually, there were a lot of films this decade because that went into this decade. Yeah. Yeah. It became a gimmick for some for some movies. It didn't start. I, it didn't start the three D thing. But it, I thought that was what killed it. No, no. I, I watched the it. first Captain America in three D because it was <laughs> no the way. only showing that there was. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Three D definitely continued. It not, definitely continued. Yeah. Avatar k- kicked it off. Like, it's all I mean, built it, for three D might have been around before Avatar, but I'm, and it definitely made it a, a common trend at the cinema for a few yeah. years after. Definitely, three D was definitely one of the damp squibs of the decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> complete, complete failure. Like I, I, I think I saw Avatar in three D. I saw one or two other things in three D and just hated it. And <laughs> just as soon as I could, went straight back to two D. It was just obviously one of those things where cinemas trying to kind of protect something that is uniquely cinema and you can only do it here. Yeah, and, yeah. And I th- also really feel like Avatar was built. For from the ground up with 3D in mind yeah. so it really helped that experience whereas yeah. in other movies it, it felt like when they were just exporting it instead of exporting it to MP4 they were like export it to 3D except just... there was always that token like a ball being thrown yeah. past the camera <laughs> they're like oh maybe 3D yeah yeah or like a knife would come towards the camera and you'd be like whoa <laughs> completely unnecessary for the story yeah. it's kind of died 3D I can't remember the last 3D yeah. movie I went to go see good reddits yeah. well you say that but it's going to revamp it again like um, Avatar Friday the 30th part 2 released in 82 was in 3D Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely, a, it was around for a long time, but yeah. I, I remember just back. being like, come back. every big film and every big cinema was like, you know, dedicating itself to 3D. I remember also even like TV started to go 3D mad. For you, could brief... buy, you could buy 3D TVs. Yeah, yeah, my dad did, obviously. And like, just <laughs> watching shit, like little screen what, 3D like, B- glasses. like BBC One in 3D? <laughs> just mad. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, that never really, t- it never really took off in the home, home cinema market. Also, this, this decade, there's been a, obviously a huge thing about digital versus film so yeah are we still using film to make movies um that you know like i suppose nolan does and a few other you know wes anderson i think shoots on film yeah. there are a couple of key auteurs that shoot still shoot on film and then you've got like roger deakins who exclusively only shoots digital now i think yeah. scorsese shoots digital having shot a lot of film it's so interesting different people's opinions on them like i remember um when we had a whole phase of Liking Rod, well, still obviously liking, but Rodriguez, his whole thing about how like he he favoured digital so much over film. It was like film's just so annoying. Yeah. Like I just don't like using it at all. <laughs> well, presumably for any indie filmmaker on a low budget, you would go digital. Well, do you remember we watched Thunder Road and that was on film, but that was post conversion after yeah. the Sundance. And someone yeah. else in the crowd got yeah. busted. <laughs> they are yeah. when we watched Thunder Road at Prince Charles Cinema. It was a thirty-five millimeter cut, right. and afterwards someone was like, "So you made it on film." 
and then it was like, well, it was it was post processed. It was a shot on digital, right. but then it was like transferred to thirty five negative. Right. So right. it was screened on film, but yeah. not shot on film. Yeah. Um, not, how does that work? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's just like instead of digitizing film, uh, film reels, it's just it, the opposite. Does that affect the quality? Does that give it that? It, filmy it gives look? it that filmic look. It's like an but, Instagram filter, basically. Yeah. But because <laughs> I remember, I think you, I think somebody said, it might have been you, it might have been me. Um, that we didn't notice that it had been shot on film but when we sat down yeah. yeah I remember that yeah I was like hang on this was shot on film yeah no, and I spent the whole movie being like wow he shot this on film like how did he do this because <laughs> I remember watching uh, seeing uh, photos from the shoot and it, I, I think they had a, an epic like a dragon. yeah a, re- a red epic yeah, yeah. dragon yeah um, so I was like this, this is bullshit it's not film yeah, yeah. 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 so so uh, but it didn't ruin the thing for me. No, not at all. And I th- film is still very much alive. There's still lo- lots of films that yeah. are shot on film. It's just, it's become a contention point, especially for films that are very VFX heavy. Yeah. You know, and frankly, if we're on, on, on the topic, VFX is another thing that's become crazy good in the last decade. Mm. True. <laughs> it's true. become very, very, very good. On the film and digital thing, I think it also, that sort of also ties into a bigger theme about directors kind of, and again, streaming being a topic, it, directors kind of losing control of how their films are seen, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like, I guess they've always had to square themselves <laughs> with the idea that films to get watched on telly. Filmmaker mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, smooth on But now that they get they get released on streaming sites and things, they're obviously losing control of where they're seen for the first time. Mm. And that's quite a big thing. So well, you had, you know, um, like Mendes talking about how it's really important that everyone sees this in the cinema yeah. when he was accepting his Golden Globe. Yeah. Well... Um, and Scorsese pleading with everybody not to watch it, watch The Irishman on a phone. Yeah, and that's a good, that's a really good point to bring up because this whole filmmaker mode thing, which was about filmmakers coming together with TV manufacturers to to create a mode on the TV that made mm. watching a film as a director intended, which what I read very recently is actually going to happen. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be put in. I don't know if it's going to be like in a software update or it's going to be on a new actual tv but it's going to be there yeah in a way and i think about it it's kind of odd that that's happening in 2020 like yeah. you think that that would have happened like seven or eight years ago yeah it's just sort of catching up i suppose to the shift of power from from the filmmakers being able to kind of choose how their films are, met, are shown to people mm. to just the viewer being able to choose how they watch it there's directors who don't give a shit they're like what was yeah, it? Cor- are, yeah was it quran alfonso quran who was like what, oh, whether he, you see he, it or no yeah i think his was less about yeah yeah he basically was like you know i'd rather someone watch it on a phone than not watch it i wouldn't not watch it don't watch it on the, on the cinema yeah. i mean it's always like that that meme of the of someone watching the irishman on their apple watch <laughs> yeah, and yeah, being yeah. Like, watching this is Mark Scorsese. <laughs> <laughs> actually there was also that thing about so there's obviously the the picture and everything but but one difference i suppose about watching something streaming is that you have the power to pause rewind and all that kind of stuff as you're watching it and there was that new yorker article that talked about how they got a lot more out of watching the irishman uh, while streaming because they could kind of watch scenes a couple of times during during the film itself and said that it actually really enriched the experience i personally can't quite get, get on board with that but i don't get it what way did well, it it's just it like enrich- being able to if you watch a scene and you're not quite sure what happened you yeah. can rewind 10 minutes and watch it again that is yeah. weird it's, yeah i don't agree with fucking that. weird <laughs> I'm looking at Sparrow. I'm, lo- <laughs> I'm looking at Sparrow. Yeah, the watching fuck. it at 1.5 speed. Yeah. <laughs> you could watch it two, two times and get it done in half the time. Yeah, exactly. Which, exactly. Frankly, with Irishmen... And take a break. Yeah. Um, when they're like, it is what it is, it'd be like, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is what it is. So old people just talking and acting fast 
That's what, that'd be, that would be weird. Yeah. Because it's yeah. already moving, weird. Moving right? very young, even though yeah. they look old. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. That movie but creates more problems than it solves. Digital versus film thing felt like a very hot topic a few years ago. Yeah. And now it feels like it, it feels like film is here today. There's also been a huge explosion in film yeah. photography as well. Yeah, like, people started buying more films. Yeah. So there's been more production. There was a documentary I watched recently where Kodak were like, we, we can't make enough film. <laughs> camera film to keep up with demand yeah. it's just getting more and more so whereas 10 years ago they were like shit we might have to shut down because no one's buying it yeah 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 they were like oh, so close to ending yeah yeah, they? yeah. So i think just before star wars uh, or batman or superman was beginning to shoot um i think one of the cine- cinematographers um tweeted like oh just let me do this film then you can shut down because <laughs> they're shooting the film <laughs> roger deacon's like let me just shoot one more movie <laughs> but yeah that that was a good turn turn around because tarantino and nolan was like they they put money to I think they put money to Kodak Kodak to so that they keep making films and yeah. then, and then the explosion happened again and, and then it's there yeah so it's actually fucking awesome to biggest defining blockbuster trait of this year probably more so than reboots which is the superhero genre which is like had mm-hmm. it, this is the decade of the superhero of the superhero film I'm just looking at your notes twenty one superhero films this decade is that true. Two, two a year basically or more so I have a bit of a theory yeah. about um, one of the reasons why the superhero genre has been such so kind of caught on to this, this decade and I think that's um, we touched a little bit on earlier when we were talking about 3D and cinemas I guess need need something that is kind of uniquely cinema when they're when they're working out kind of what the, what the what, what's going to make people kind of come rather than just watching stuff at home yeah and I think one of those things would be the kind of like spectacle of huge action-led sort of superhero things. So regardless of the story necessarily and the kind of the Marvel background and everything, just the idea of having a stream of films where you've got huge big visual effects and you've got loud bangs and explosions and things like yeah. that, that is what, what one of the areas where cinema can say, well, you're going to have a richer experience by coming to this auditorium than you would ever get at home. Um, so I feel like that demand might be part of thing, the thing that drove that. Absolutely. But having said that, so it's a cure as much as it, it is the disease in the sense of superhero films are pushing other films out. Yeah. But at the same time, they're the only thing that's keeping cinema alive. Is that yeah, what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. yeah exactly. But I mean, it's interesting to think if yeah. they weren't there, what would be there? Yeah. It's not um, like it's not like if they weren't there, cinemas would just die. They, they'll be replaced by something. Yeah. Reboots, probably. I think the thing is, probably. though, like, for... Because that's actually what was precursed all yeah. superhero films, really, isn't it? If I think about... And if I think about sort of films that I personally think I have to go see this in the cinema rather than... It tends to be, like, the big epics. It's, like, the stuff, like... Like, we're saying 1917 later. It's based, It's stuff where it's, like, where you genuinely think just the kind of the visual impact of it gravity like the visual impact of it is going to be such that you just really want to see it on the big screen whereas i mean i'm just speaking personally but in in things that are more kind of like dialogue led um where it i think the visual side of it isn't quite so important that's where the cinema going to the cinema is less necessary and i think superheroes are more in that first camp of films where people are always going to want to go see it in the big screen i think superhero films have, have found this decade to be the the largest mainly because geek culture has become so mainstream yeah, and it's become nerds. a cool thing. And I think in other decades, <laughs> it, it possibly has been more shunned or like a more underground thing, like in the 90s with Kevin Smith and yeah. Clerks and all that. It's yeah. like they're, they're like, 
you're you're in the know, but now it's like if you're not a geek, you're not cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like you know these old comic books that that people grew up on and read, turning them into movies has got to be one of the most lucrative decisions that that Hollywood's ever made. And then obviously at the heart of this, you've got Marvel. So you have like what kicked off? I think Iron Man was two thousand eight. Yeah. Um, so. Batman would have been 2005. Mm. And Avengers was 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So really, this decade has seen like the huge leveling up. Like, do all these separate movies, get them together yeah. in Avengers. Do all these other separate movies, get all that lot with this lot in another movie. Yeah. That's literally what everything... Then, obviously, they saw that and they're like, oh, we want to build our own universes. Hence why you have spin-offs. Uh, why you yeah. fucking... The Rock versus... Rock Rock and Hobbs? Hobbs and Shaw? I don't know. Spin- Hobbs and Shaw, the spin-off Whatever. of Fast and Furious. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're you looking mean, at how they're serializing exactly. movies. Yeah. Universal Which, wanted to do the dark universe thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. obviously failed. Yeah. Um, it's funny how so it like... It's not just superheroes. It's just big world-building movies now. You get these one-off... connected. And yeah. you, you get these one-off series on Netflix, and then it's funny. It's funny how cinema, it, when it comes to superhero movies, they're being like serialized in a yeah. way that TV is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you know, it's like yeah, it's just yeah. a massive one big episode until yeah. the next one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like if you haven't, if you if you miss like two Marvel films, You're fucked. You just go like, who the fuck's this guy? Yeah, like where, where are these people yeah, yeah. coming from? I mean, um, it does tie into the conversation we were having earlier about they're just trying to create something which guarantees audiences will come back again, again, and yeah. again. And and you're right, actually. Like the the Marvel world is like, one is Marvel a kind of genius it's, move it's, because it's you can you can take sequels. it in so many different directions. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would say I've, having listened to a fair amount of Kevin Feige, who's the president of Marvel, I do they do have their. I mean, whatever you think of the ridiculous churned output of 21 superhero <laughs> films in 10 years, like they do have their heart in the right place with what they want to make. Is it's like it's been successful because they've made things for. Not just for fans, but they they've understood what they're making, and they've yeah you know it's not it's not as simple as like let's just release this and make shit tons of money. Although it does, I don't think that's where the original thought comes from. And then obviously you have like Endgame, which came out. Um, it's funny how Endgame, Game of Thrones, sorry Marvel, Game of Thrones, and Star Wars all ended this year at the end of the decade. <laughs> Good, let's um, move on. <laughs> Benas and I, and occasionally Spyro, I think dip into well we watch superhero films more so than anyone here. Um, but that being said, I feel like after Endgame, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of out. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, only really interested in. I mean, I've always been more interested in DC, but I'm yeah. just interested in like the where, Batman. Well, yeah, and or but like Joker as well. You know, like oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah, yeah, I suppose yeah. is Batman. But like, where are they going and what are they do yeah. with those movies? Their direction seems to be I mean, more interesting. I also well. wonder what what role like global audiences now has on 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 that genre because. I mean, there's a real need now to open up a film, a big blockbuster film, to the East, so basically like, like Chinese audiences and mm. sort of go beyond oh, just yeah, the sort yeah, of yeah. Western mindset. Yeah. And there's something about superhero films from the limited number that I've seen that all f- it feels very universal. It's like we're saving the world from a monster, basically. Yeah, it's easy. It, yeah. Rather than any kind of like sort of nuance that relies on maybe kind of some kind of psychological affinity to to what it means to be like you know an American old man in the Irishman yeah, yeah, yeah. weirdly Star Wars never does well in in, in the east and China really yeah it wow. never opens um, much and it was the same with this last one Rise of Skywalker mm. well, it didn't do well uh, yeah it basically it's just interesting like like you were saying earlier the, the serialization of films and just like the inspiration that seeing oh they're doing that so let's like yeah Let's yeah. go and put a huge amount of money behind this film, and because there'll be a teaser for the next film, and there'll yeah. be a teaser for the next film. And obviously, DC tried that with with um with Zach Justice Snyder's League, and yeah, yeah, and now they've realised that just making like one off. Yeah, it, it, I think it's a better approach, and the fact that you know, not well, nothing's really connected there anymore. 
No. Like Wonder Woman, she's on her own. Aquaman, maybe, at yeah. best. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, the Flash, although he's still with Ezra, no, nobody really knows if they're, they're going to... Yeah, they just... they 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 Their whole thing should be just to... Just make one more Jokers. There Joker is, um, was wildly popular, like, commercially and critically. Yeah. yeah. It's so a great it's, movie. Well, I think it is. Well, also those films, they kind of... Uh, you say Joker, that's a m- much more adult ve- version of these mm. films. Mm. And, and arguably isn't really in that universe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. it's obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. the title, and I guess it's just on its own. Yeah. Really. Yeah. He, did, he did say he, he'd want to see Batman in that universe, like how how mm. he would approach it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I read a theory that the um I think it was just a fan theory, but basically saying that <clears throat> it's not actually the Joker, that that Wacken Phoenix's character Joker is actually just the guy that then inspires the Joker later on. Mm. Well, I like that theory, that's and like, it's quite oh, a nice theory. That it's credible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. I don't get it. Because <laughs> then, like, at the end, when you know, these people are cheering, yeah, like, yeah. Phoenix, it's like one of them, you know... They're all, oh, like, wearing his mask. mask and, oh, yeah, okay. Didn't one of them... Well, that one of them killed his parents, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, one yeah. of the guys in the mask. Oh, yeah. So it's like, does he become right, the, right, the right, actual right, Joker? Right, right, right. I like yeah. it because it just... The reason I like the theory is it just sort of separates that whole film from needing to be connected to the Batman saga mm-hmm. in any way. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, this is its own standalone thing and then you can sort of see how it loosely connects to a, yeah. you know, to a villain. That, film, that film spawned off so many theories. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. I think it's nuts. <laughs> it's all a dream. It's, <laughs> it's nuts how looking to the 2020s, like Marvel have got a rough roadmap of like where they're going to go, what they're going to do. Crazy to think this decade they've leveled these movies up to this insane thing and then they're going to do it all over again how, it's, it may be not necessarily about how do you get bigger than Endgame but just how do you get something different from it yeah you know? like what more team up movies maybe I don't know I don't know I don't honestly don't know the direction they're going to go in love it or hate it it is sort of the equivalent of what Disney were doing in the 90s with by kind of going to fairly established like fairy tales and making making cartoon huge cartoons out of them it's like this stuff these stories loosely exist in the in cultural psyche but only as kind of fringe fringe stories yeah yeah, and but they're then, turning them into these blockbusters that they can go to again and again. There'll be a reboot in 2040 of Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I mean, there could be. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Fair. So I, I suppose that's a brief summary of the. <laughs> so of, that was I mean, the decade. Now let's we, do yeah, our first. We've, yeah. def- we've definitely missed, uh, you know, all the nuances of all these conversations. Well, way, way too much to cover, and but, way too much stuff that we won't even know that we didn't cover. So in your notes, uh, I see that it's superheroes, the new western. Mm. Remember that westerns died out. Yeah. So superheroes might, you know, they'll have their day, and they'll. I th- yeah, you know. I'm not sure if if it'll be as big again. I wonder if Westerns died out because they were replaced by something else. You know, like what mm. would replace superhero oh, films? Westerns, what, then you had those uh, Westerns, what, 50s? Mafia? Uh, yeah. yeah, then you yeah. had Mafia. <laughs> I think it was more, more sort of gangster more, films. Scorsese's interconnected universe. Yeah, Sergio Leone did America. Yeah, 50s and 60s, I reckon, was the heyday of Western. Yeah, something like that. So, And then the Mafia films came out, like The Godfather. Mafia. 70s, yeah. Yeah, so... Should we get into our... Films of the decade. Oh, um, shit, sure, yeah. This is like a whole other three hour film. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so let's all talk about our top films of the decade. Mine is Frozen, and that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> really? That's your favourite film? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, Dom. I'm gonna. I'm honestly. Sw- I would have thought it'd be Nolan or something. But... No, no, it's Frozen. Um, and Frozen Two. I think the best thing to do would just be to reel off all of them. Yeah. yeah. Or, do we, or do we do it one by one? I don't know. What's the best way to do this? Well, I like, think we all do our all at the same mean, time. It, yeah. 
No. <laughs> one, two. <laughs> one, two. Frozen. I think do all of them, and then someone else does all of them. Yeah. yeah Otherwise, it'll easy. take forever if we do it one by one. Okay. Uh, so mine are. So yeah, so mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, do yours no, actually. Do no, your do 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 no, yours. I'm do yours. No, 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 I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. All right, I can get it down to ten. I've got thirteen. That's fine. Which is let's unlucky. Just, let's just get them out. All right, in no particular order. Booksmart, beautiful, The Big Short, Inside Out. Only he animated one. Florida Project, Get Out, Four Lions, Son of Saul, The Irishman, I, Daniel Blake, Manchester by the Sea, Gravity, and Call Me by Your Name. Good list. Cool. Yeah. I feel like I should. should shall I go? Shall I defend them? them, or shall we go through everyone's? And then... Oh, you'll defend them, all right. Let's go through. Let's <laughs> let's go through some of these. What? Right, I'm locked and loaded. Talk, talk us through your talk us through your thoughts. Talk us through your feelings. Yeah, yeah. Talk us. So, it's a therapy session okay. for the films of the decade with me. Yo. So it's a really hard. Really hard list to come up with, mainly just because my memory isn't that great, right? You can't. I haven't kept a list of everything I've watched. So most of yeah, these, this that's been the main barrier in asking people. Yeah, like it's like you don't. Where, where do you where do you search you in start, your brain to yeah. start like working that yeah, out? Yeah. So the starting point for me was looking at like just you know top one hundred movies from big you know period like you know places online where they're sort of like listing them all and then just choosing the ones I agree with. And then over the last couple of weeks, just when something has popped into my head that I really liked that wasn't on any of these lists, I put them in there. I think one of those would be Beautiful, which is uh, Inyaritu. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just left that film completely in tears. I think it's probably the only time I like full on cried uh, at the cinema because um, I just thought it was a brilliantly made film. Gravity's in there, which surprised me a little bit, but I sort of remember seeing that. I think I saw it at the IMAX and I just remember thinking I really enjoyed how... Um, I guess I, I guess how that was amazing at the IMAX. Yeah, the sound it, design was crazy. It was a really like I don't I don't think I liked it for the sort of structure and narrative of the film. I think it's more just the kind of something very old fashioned about the fact that it was like totally about just suspense. Do you know what I mean? And it's, mm. it's made in this really visually impactful way. Um, I liked that it just played on one really simple simple trope, which was you know something's coming. In about half an hour, <laughs> are they going to are they going to be okay? Yeah. Really, really nice sort of device and really, really visually beautiful. Florida projects in there. That's, Florida we haven't spoken much about that. Um, yeah, I didn't expect to like Florida project. I thought it was just going to be a bit art housey and, and not really my kind of thing. Um, I think the thing I liked most about Florida project was it 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 was shot in a way. So the story was told in a, in, a, in a way, but also it was shot in a way so that it was quite innovatively done from the perspective of like a young. A young child. Cinematography yeah, yeah. was. That's really clever use of a really clever use of, of the gift of filmmaking of, of cinema, right? So I think it's Nolan who always talks about how film is a bit like dreaming. Who's that? <laughs> and, <laughs> and there isn't any Nolan in here, but the, but the thing I like about that is that he sort of thought about a way to bring to life a certain way of seeing the world through through cinema, which only cinema can do. And Florida Project was, I think, the best thing about it was the fact that it just it made you see see a particular part of the world through the eyes of a child, and that's really clever. Um, there is Nolan in your list, by the way. What did I put in there? Inception. No, I didn't. I took it out. <laughs> oh, he got, sorry. Dr- he got dropped. I, I dropped Inception. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there's the door. <laughs> I think we'll drop you first. <laughs> yeah, I made some last minute changes this morning. I, Daniel Blake. I, Daniel Blake. Yeah, sorry. This is in here because I felt like... Ken Loach. Ken Loach, yeah. I mm. felt like um, it, it needs was... a shout out. It needs a shout out. It was a particular... There was a time in British politics, and we don't need to get into the, the whys and wherefores of it, <laughs> where... Yeah. Um, it it was it was impressive how a big huge film could state a point of view on such a live political issue, which was the age of austerity, and um, and whether or not you feel it's accurate, it 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 infiltrated the political debate. 
quite impressively. So you had you had the cabinet sort of responding to Ken Loach's film, saying it's overblown or whatever. And it, but it's it, I think that's impressive when film can directly enter the public debate on something that's quite important. I quite like your list for that reason. I feel like you've chosen movies that have all each in there. You really looked at it from a decade perspective, yeah. whereas like I've looked at it probably from a little bit more of a selfish perspective of like, what what did I enjoy and think like stories and films that really spoke to me, which I think these, not that these don't speak to you, but I think it's interesting yeah. how you've kind of, you know, cause you've got some more, mm. I don't even know if you could say it's commercial things in there, but you've got like, you know, Skyfall, which is obviously a big Bond movie. Mm. there's a mix in there yeah big short which was quite seen by a lot of people obviously yeah yeah big short big short would fall into the same category as daniel blake in that it's um such an impressive popularization of a fairly complex political issue partly it's just a really entertaining film but i think it's also a really important film because such a big defining part of the 2010s far that far reaches beyond just the world of cinema is the impact of the 2008 financial crisis and I think it handled it in such a clever way because it just made people kind of understand what happened and just started to implant into people's heads how that might have shaped the decade that we were in. There's like a political, political strain. Yeah. undertone to some of the films that you've chosen. So I yeah. think it's interesting. Yeah, it reflects what you're, what you're interested in. I, should, I, I mentioned for Inside Out because it's animated. And Great it's movie. Like, yeah, and you wouldn't necessarily expect it to be in like the best films, but I just thought that was such a clever film. It's such a novel idea. Yeah. That movie, yeah, I think it got the love it deserved when it came out. Yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. Yeah. Cleaned up. Yeah. I, I wouldn't usually put like a cartoon in like kind of high cinema sort of category, but I just think it's. <sighs> well, I this isn't. I mean, really this is Corsese. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, I think it, I think it's like what what it does is it introduces it introduces to children the the nuance of mental health of like of, of what's going on in our mind and it's actually weirdly yeah. kind of accurate towards kind of like you know the uh the recurring gag of the the triple dent gum advert that comes up and the angry guy who gets so annoyed <laughs> is so funny it's like triple dent gum he's like <laughs> um i'm gonna co- we'll come back yeah. to talk about tops top tops um top tops um, You're gonna hit us with your sure with your decade list. I don't know if this is ten. Could be more. Okay. Slightly. Um, so number one is this is no particular order, of course. Uh, I'm counting as a whole the Dark Knight trilogy. Then Fury, Mad Max Fury Road. Then also this is Krisha by slash Thunder Road. Kind of similar vibes if you've seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, Hangover, <laughs> uh, Inception, Parasite. Yeah, Parasite came out last year. I can, I can do that. <laughs> Uh, True Detective I know it's a TV series but it's very cinematic the first season sorry by the way I thought I had to clear that one up um, Birdman Creep um, this is Creep the indie film. yeah the low budget the, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. One, yeah yeah not the London Underground one yeah 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 <laughs> and Tangerine so my first thoughts on your list are Hangover <laughs> is technically Hangover. 2009 is it not yeah no I squeezed it in squeezed it in so you bent time to get that in <laughs> yeah. um, also Batman Begins is uh, 2005 is yeah. 2008 yeah. but so, Dark Knight Rises is 2014 I'm counting them as a whole and you put True Detects in there so really Ben has broke the rules a little bit but that's fine it's good good that one of us is, is pushing it he doesn't play by the rules yeah he's and a one man wolf pack <laughs> <laughs> it's worth saying that Parasite, movies like Parasite, Uncut Gems, Jojo, things that have come out in the last month, it's a bit confusing because they've got different release dates across the world. So Uncut could potentially be in one of our lists, but I saw it this year. But anyway, 
2020 bleeding into 2020 is fine and if we're going to do that then maybe we can move back to 2009 a little bit <laughs> pretty good list yeah, i was su- list. i was surprised by tangerine uh, tangerine didn't know just because i didn't know you you loved it oh yeah uh, well it was def- uh, definitely a defining moment for cinema and although yeah i did like the story i do like sean baker's kind of tackle on the kind of more fringe second sean baker movie in these lists he did oh, yeah. Florida project yeah, yeah um so he tackled these kind of fringe problems per, per- per se yeah. yeah which are cool to see in indie world because sometimes indie, indie world forgets what, it, what it's doing and it goes a little too arty yeah whereas like he's it, dealing with real things yeah. that are actually going on in the real world exactly yeah. so yeah, um, yeah. and the fact that it was shot on an iphone just kind of cements it and the fact that it it changed uh, the way uh, films yeah. can be made tangerine feels like felt like the go-to film when someone was like Oh, it was shot on an iPhone. Or oh, that film that was shot on an iPhone. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it was the first one, I think, wasn't it? Big one, I think, yeah. Okay. To have yeah, a big, yeah. re- to have like a cinema yeah. kind of release. Yeah, and yeah. I think was also a good movie. You know, it's not just that it was shot on yeah, an iPhone. Yeah, it's not just, a, yeah. they're not yeah. using it as a gimmick. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, this is shot on an iPhone, so fuck off, watch it. I think Hangover, it was definitely like a, quite influential in the sort of, you know, let's yeah. do a stag do Hendy film. It was, it's also this kind of like... Um, maybe a throwback to the movies of the early early 2000s and 90s where the that kind of risk humor the adult humor can still be showcased uncensored you know um and i think this tackled great uh also that was todd phillips phillips's film which is i was like that's an interesting point to kind of like and then go to to make joker <laughs> it's like the opposite <laughs> film it's like the fuck yeah. yeah but it also just shows that he is just generally just a good director yeah yeah uh, from documentaries to kind of these uh, hangovers and jokers of the world yeah yeah, yeah cool. birdman's in there um <laughs> i really enjoyed Birdman. yeah yeah, yeah. birdman was a great movie and once again another single take so now we have 1917 mm. come mm. out yeah. that kind of thing uh the, the revenant although the revenant had extended shots it wasn't uh a single, yeah, it was, single take yeah it, was, it had there's a lot of extended shots that that especially the opening the opening of the, for, for revenant oh yeah yeah with the, the yeah, yeah. arrows flying mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah um so i feel like birdman kind of kicked that one off as well mm. obviously that wasn't a single take but it's literally yeah parasite in there film. as well um, Parasite, yeah, Parasite. It's just, just I just watch it. It's okay. such a good film. Yeah, yeah. F- That's funny. the last minute edition. I yeah, like that. That was mm. yeah. Um, I few- think, but it was worth saying. Birdman. Birdman was a clever film because it was playing off of the rise of the the yeah. superhero film. Yeah, wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, also, that was also. very much a trend that we yeah we exactly kind of settling out for for art and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A novel movie, and then it was shot in a novel way. Yeah, and it had a kind of novel actor at the heart of it. Like mm. Michael Keaton's big, but it was yeah. like. Yeah, Michael Keaton's Re- been like in two properties, hasn't he? Like Marvel and DC. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of the antithesis of the rise of the superhero <laughs> yeah. film. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that so deserves well. a place in there. True Detective, nice. Very throw nice. throw a TV show in there, why not? Um, Got one in mind. Well, also, yeah, True Detective. That was a show I binge watched. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Weird. And that's Garrett Carey for Kanawa, who's yeah, yeah. making the new Bond movie. Yeah. So I think I, I prefer True Detective also because of the writer Nick Nick Pizzolatto. So. Also, the world's best credit song <laughs> for True Detective season one. Oh, I yeah. loved it so much. Yeah, yeah, it was actually T Bone Bennett. I think it was. Yeah, Dark Knight trilogy. Are you referring to Rises that was come yeah. out? Yeah, 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 Rises and through that I'm connecting Dark Knight and Batman. I guess. Okay. <laughs> I think when was Dark Knight? 2008. Rises gets uh, doesn't get as much love as it should. Yeah, I know. It gets a lot of well, not hate, but it just gets a lot of like, oh, it wasn't as good as the Dark Knight. Yeah, because like, how it wasn't. Well, <laughs> yeah, but he's yeah, such a high it's, standard it's, though. It's, for, yeah, for those yeah. fucking superhero films, it is the only person who could beat Nolan. Is Nolan? <laughs> 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 to be fair, my, my favorite one of that trilogy is the first one actually. 
Begins, yeah. Begins, yeah. I've realised I prefer Nolan's like, early work, as in Memento, Prestige, and Begins mm. are my favorite, three favourites of his, which are all they pre are, this decade. You liked him before he was cool. But you are right, they are slightly different types of films than the later stuff. They're yeah, not as, well, they're just not as big indie. as like Interstellar and Inception. Sparrow, you want to take us through? Yeah, so... Me and L, me and L, me and L. <laughs> Boyhood. Me and L. Canto Uno Mitu, my love. Vice, Patterson, Good Time, Me L and the Dying Girl. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Drive, The Social Network, and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the Fincher version. That's a pretty good list. Nice. I love how, it's interesting how when you lay out all these lists, everyone's tastes, I mean, there's some crossover films, but everyone's tastes are quite different. Yeah. I have I have a question about one of, about Boyhood. Yeah. Um, okay. Is that on your, okay. Is that on your list because, because of how impressive it is the way it was made? Or do you think just, by its own merit as the film itself it, it it would be on that list um do you know what i mean yeah no i know what you mean um it's it's hard to kind of different like to split the two up because i think it it's just so imp- it's just cool how he ages kind of seamlessly obviously because he does actually grow up in the yeah. film i also quite like the kind of story of it how it just the way it just jumps year on year like this it kind of just moves quite jarringly sometimes but yeah it's a bit of both i think yeah fair enough because i think it definitely deserves like an honorable mention right just for its ambition of how it was made and another late addition to your list was uh, i'm probably butchering this but canto uno Mitube, yeah, which you've yeah. recommended to me which is quite a recent movie yeah well i think it was 2017 but i only saw it very recently um, kind of a three hour yeah like, it's quite it's quite long especially like, if, call me by your name I style mean, yeah kind of it's quite so it's french and it's quite um kind of rambling and it's set in the mid 90s um but yeah but it's um <laughs> i was i was trying to kind of sum up why why i've kind of got this list and the majority of the films it's really it boils down to i kind of like the vibe slash aesthetic mood that they give off mm. um and they can be completely different so like patterson and good time are complete opposites yeah mm. but it the reason well, heavy were, aesthetic. The, the reason that they're up there is the is the aesthetic yeah interesting well, i get that two same Fincher with films? same with yeah same with Fincher. again the aesthetic it's re- yeah, drive two, two Fincher movies. nicholas what's the guy nicholas wine reffin who yeah. did drive yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm a big fan of Fincher. Yeah, Fincher is your your sort of unsung, yeah, low key favorite un, director. Under the radar, yeah. Me on the Dying Girl. Yeah, well, that that was it. That's that's my favorite film of all time. So that's yeah, that's, that's going to be in there. That film also has its own kind of aesthetic as well. It doesn't surprise me to see coming of age, a lot of coming of age films yeah. as, part, as part of this list. Cause Did you come of age is... in this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I, it's the same as um as you guys. It's quite hard. To, I'm sure there's other films which I would want to yeah. put in this list, which I just can't think of. Or yeah, there have yeah. been a lot of late additions to mine, even as recent as like the last the last 10 minutes it's just it's like the, it, yeah, yeah. the more longer you spend th- you almost need a decade to think about the last decade <laughs> but yeah Patterson as well which I actually only watched through being triggered on this pod I think or it was Patterson, it was one of these it was a suggestion yeah because yeah. I've never, never had a Jim Jarmusch before and Good Time obviously is great Scott Pilgrim kind of Edgar Wright's like so un- unsung yeah, hero I just, of the I just, film I, I just love like, I just love that film it's never really referenced when you, people talk about Edgar Wright it's true yeah you talk about his Cornetto trilogy Shorty, yeah. And, yeah. Then, um, or, and, Baby and Baby Driver, Driver. and then no one, everyone forgets about mm. Scott Pilgrim yeah. yeah it's a shame it's a really inventive movie I think that's kind of the vibe across quite a lot of your choices are they're quite inventive films mm. like even Patterson and I know like it's not it's the vibe of it is like chilled, but it is inventive. Yeah, in that break it, the mold. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. And Vice is is was similar to the Big Short, and obviously it's McKay, so his kind of yeah. style, his humor. Um, yeah, I don't like Vice. Which came first, Vice? No, no Big Short. Big Short. Okay. Vice came out last the, year. The Big Short. 
Yeah, it was early last year. Any TV shows worth mentioning in yours? Um, so, T, I guess that was a kind of a curveball. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Ben, I guess. Ben I guess made the, up the rules for I guess, that one. <laughs> I, guess, I guess. I guess the top TV shows of the decade for me. Well, I like Game of Thrones, but Euphoria, I really rate. Um, and also, you love this, but the first season of Thirteen Reasons Why. I'm a yeah. big fan. Yeah, these are just things that I like. I created but, um, this monster. So I take they, full credit for this. So I think, yeah, they're, but they're not in a way that I'm proud of. Those coming of age things. Those three, I think. Um, nice. Yeah. Mine are. Uh, my list is annoyingly long, so we can talk about how we can cut it down in a minute. But Inception, obviously. Duh. Before Midnight, Good Time, Blade Runner, 2049, Interstellar, Ex Machina, Boyhood, Dark Knight Rises, Moneyball, The Raid, and The Spectacular Now, which is my late edition. Mm. Um, and I would now. I would also throw Whiplash in there I think mm, that's because of yeah. the miles Nolan make right. any films this decade that you didn't put in your top 10 <laughs> Dunkirk, <laughs> Dunkirk. Oh, yeah, Dunkirk. Yeah. which Sparrow's jokes is like Nolan movie that I hate which is not true I don't hate any Nolan you've only movie. seen it like once though no which I've, is, I've is, seen it twice which once is highly this, unusual once the I, I, look, I saw it at the IMAX right? it's more than most people I think have, have I paid £23 um, good films solid films but The Raid's an interesting one so yeah The Raid is in there because I feel like that film was I mean who's who you've seen the road, right, Penis? Yeah. Louis, Pro- no, have you heard? I've seen it. Yeah, so it's like it was. It was such an inventive action film, and it was unlike anything I'd personally ever seen before. It came out so close to that dread film, which was more or less the same. Going up the blocks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an Indonesian movie. Yeah, it, the fight scenes are incredible, and the story is there. You know, it's not just. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, just, it's just fight like- scenes. Um, and I just was, I was just amazed. I remember when it came out when I was at uni, we all used to, we, we used to watch it like during pre-drinks or something. It was just like such an amazing. Which is amp up. Just, just like, such an amazing film. Yeah. Like people were just like loving it. And it was just such a connection to watching that film. And it was so invented with the camera. Yeah. That's um, very true. Great choreography and stuff like that. Yeah. In- Inception's obviously in there. Um, Before Midnight, yeah. amazing film for me. It totally, it rounded off that trilogy in such a way that, that you know, I thought was masterful, frankly. Mm. One of, Linklater's best movies uh, although I think Before Sunset might be my favourite or, 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 my favourites change for, with that trilogy like sometimes I'm like Before Sunrise and sometimes like Before Sunset but Midnight is great Good Time's in there because I think it's a good time um, <laughs> Blade Runner I thought was amazing I thought that the, the cinematography story acting like, one of those movies for me where everything that that they just brought it in every department and Cinephiles c- film I think it just did that thing that a lot of reboots or sequels don't do which is like it somehow managed to retain the 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 dna of the first one but reinvent it so it still had that look back and the look forward which i think most sequels do one or the other really well Mm -hmm. interstellar just again incredible um, unsurprisingly <laughs> Ex Machina I thought was a great movie that was almost in my list to be fair yeah Ex Mach. Alex Garland who wrote The Beach yeah is that a debut yeah Ex Machina yeah that's a solid that's a solid debut Boyhood for the same reasons that Sparrow's described I just thought that was another like amazing kind of link later like epic and it was so you know so inventive would you say that kind of the age thing for Boyhood that is like Linklater's Endgame, like epic. It kind of is. You know what I mean? It's like it kind of is. It's Avengers Linklater. It kind of is a Siggy move because in the before trilogy, obviously it's the same. Yeah, yeah. Actor. <laughs> Siggy move. No, no, it's, no, it's the yeah, same. Yeah. Um, it's the same actor and actress or whatever. So they um, so they age with the films. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So the twenties, thirties, forties. Epic, like, like yeah, that's magnum the, opus. But apparently he's trying to do. Isn't he trying to do? Yeah, he's trying to do this another musical one. that goes on for twenty years now. So yeah, it's like, dude, you're gonna die. 
I, I mean, hope not, but... Dark Knight Rises, again, I think it's, I just think it's the underappreciated, like... It's just because Dark Knight was so good. Yeah. That's <laughs> all it is. But the themes in Rises, are, to me, speak more to me than, than in The Dark Knight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the whole idea of Rises is quite interesting. I, I think it, it went in a direction that I don't think many other superhero films have gone in. A Logan kind of went in that area. And yeah. It was, it was... It was... It had the balls to actually kind of go there and be, like, define, definable, you know, so that yeah. that is the end. Like, that kind of finish the series with a full stop yeah it's like people always say like if Endgame was Marvel's last film yeah. and they just close down after like that would <laughs> be so boss yeah, <laughs> just be like, the end game. that's it Chernobyl I, yeah. yeah I mean Chernobyl's just amazing I, I loved it uh, so cinematic and so well put together Moneyball I don't know how many people here have seen Moneyball spend the New Year's N- not into yep. baseball at all but it was such a well scored and and directed film and shot by Wally Fister who shoots Nolan's movies Sulkin film one of those movies a bit like Senna where it's like the subject that it's actually on you're not that yeah, yeah. mad about mm. but the story of how do you use maths and numbers to figure out what players are worth so is there a sing- is there a film that was on all of our list I don't think there's good time on yours Louis no I've not seen it holy moly holy moly uh, yeah I don't think there's a shared film there's definitely shared directors shared directors aren't there yeah so is let's it, get down it, to the real questions of what if you had to nail it down to one. Inception is a cross uh, Yeah, it's hard. It's kind of an unfair question. Yeah, it was easy for me. So. Oh, mm. <laughs> I got to say Inception. Love actually. I'm torn between Inception and Thunder Road Crusher. Yeah, I feel you. Throwing it out for the indie vibes. Yeah, like, just, yeah, that's just yeah, so fucking that. different. Yeah, I get that. Thunder Thunder Road was in a you know solid solid movie. Um, well. Cr- the thing about Krisha, he's <laughs> like sweating in the corner, like <laughs> fucking hard. It, <laughs> everyone's <laughs> waiting for Louis to pick his favorite. I'm just, I'm looking at Louis's list, and I'm like, so hard. I um, think I know what. I think I know what you would choose. The, the thing is, you spread your, you've you've done a big short and spread your, done the opposite of the big short. <laughs> even my bets. Um, <laughs> spread it across a couple of really good mm. movies. Yeah, if you, if Inception was on your list, although no, you I dropped took that. Inception yeah, off yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the door. <laughs> <laughs> I said that. I don't know. It's really hard. Okay, while well, you're thinking I on do that, think Booksmart needs. I, was, needs I thought a, it was, Booksmart yeah. does need it. It's so good. What? I'd say what, what? Interesting. I, I wouldn't say it's. Uh, it's really hard. <laughs> are there are there any kind of notice notable general shout outs or things yep. that anyone say like Doctor Strange? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, in asking the people this question, Paddington 1 and 2, especially Paddington 2, came up so much How as people's top, top decade film. Absolutely I, ridiculous. Every, don't, I've, never se- I've never seen it. But apparently anyone, and I'm talking anyone of any cinematic taste, yeah, yeah, has yeah, been yeah. like, it's amazing. I mean, it is. It is really good. But <laughs> it's like, Jesus. Why is it not on your list? <laughs> um, Late dropout. Other shout outs I've got to give. Call me by your name. Yeah. I did really enjoy Wonder Woman. Just going to put it out there. If we're yeah, putting same, it back to 2009... <clears throat> Secret in Their Eyes, which Sparrow's going to watch soon, and so like <laughs> is is one of the the best movies I've seen in a, in a really long time. Lady Bird, I put on that. So one, one film I've really rate, um, which I think kind of went under the radar a little bit, is Flight. The Denzel. Yeah, I oh, thought that was really Robert good. As is often the way, I watched it with kind of no idea of what, of what direction what was it, it was going to go. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was really well made. Mm. Um, Intouchable, or the in- Intouchables, the French film that. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the original. That, 
yeah, the, that um, give a shout out to that for sure. I mean, there's probably people that are listening to this being like, "Why, Why are you not this? shouting out to this?" Okay. Nightcrawler. We we. I mean, that that deserves a bit of a mention from 2014. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to be um, fair, I would say Rogue One. I'm not a Star Wars fan at all. Door. <laughs> but that film um, is the door to the executive lounge. <laughs> <laughs> you have won. Yeah, it was the only true original Star Wars film that was outside of Skywalker shit that yeah. I was kind of tired of. There was no lightsabers, no no fucking force, and the ending was like fits so well that ending was just awesome mm. i'd also shout out to separation which is asgar fahadi uh iranian director great movie won the oscar for for best international film the rider and tony erdman two other films that i want to watch oh yeah tony which erdman. i've never seen i've not seen tony erdman burning but... was another movie that i wanted to see i never got around to yeah you had quite a lot of tv which you didn't mention oh yeah yeah i mean i i think like even if you <laughs> There's so much. There's so so. There's loads and loads of really good TV that started in the noughties and finished in the last decade, which I won't mention because I think that would just be too much. Yeah. But I think of this dec of this decade specifically, I think Fleabag definitely needs a mention. Master of None definitely I, needs I, a mention. Yeah, reading that now, I'm like that. That would be up there for me as oh, well. That's really good. Uh, Black Mirror. Just I mean, that's. I think what I'm most impressed about with Black Mirror is that it keeps reinventing its own story every single episode and that's mm. very impressive writing i love how you've written the crown in brackets don't hate, don't hate. It's, it's good, good. <laughs> so I, I resisted the crown as I'm, I'm sure lots of people do for a long time thinking it was it was kind of like downton abbey or it was basically like royal loving for for american viewers yeah. but the reason it's on there is because it's a really really good portrayal of british modern history and I've probably learned more about what's happened in the last 70 years in this country by watching The Crown than my, in my history degree. Can I say as well that The Crown, like Kong Sol Island, is slowly becoming the thing that we mention every, <laughs> every episode? <laughs> it, is, it is a good show. Um, okay. Well, that, I mean, there's our lists. Judge them. Read them. Judge them. Read them. Enjoy them. Yeah. Watch oh, I em. wanted to mention BBC, actually, because BBC did do two fantastic things, State of the Union and Years and Years, which are both on iPlayer, totally worth a watch. Years and Years is like a kind of dystopian future thing, which is amazing. Um kind of portrayal of the way the world is right now and state of the union is a nick hornby miniseries of like these sort of 10 minute long episodes and a really really clever just dissection of what like a relationship's like you gotta love um, those uh, 10 minute episodes of yeah, anything like clever um but yeah those are the lists yeah nice right. basically the conclusion is we didn't make a decision <laughs> <laughs> it's such a hard question people have people have visually looked worried when i've asked them <laughs> Because yeah. they're just like, uh, I don't know what. Like, I asked someone yesterday, and they basically reeled off most films in 2019. <laughs> yeah. Which, as we said on, on a previous episode yeah. somewhere, like in order to judge this decade, you kind of almost need to leave it yeah. another decade. But we have we don't have time for that. Yeah. Okay, so this has been our first uh, episode that hasn't been a first film. Although, if there is a film called Review of the Decade, then we do apologise again. Um, but yeah. I think we're going to do a few more specials. I've got a couple of topics up my sleeve that might be quite good to talk about. Topics? Well, just like things to do episodes on. Okay. Everyone's looking absolutely shattered. <laughs> it's bedtime. <laughs> I think digging your brain to find your top films of the decade is just like exhausting. such an exhausting <laughs> yeah, experience. Completely. Um, but, but it's good to actually look back on the films that yeah. really stood out for like what the, the last 10 years that you know you can because I didn't really look at any lists or anything I just like oh really rough, wow. rattled my brain mm -hmm. that's probably the better way to do it I, I, I looked through like a top 100 
because from it, the it's just what just stood out basically so that's why mine kind of dips in into like 2000 2008 it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. like oh my goodness because i didn't even look when they came out I was like, Fuck it. yeah fair enough yeah yeah your list i think out of everyone's is possibly the most like kind of different, different like, genre yeah yeah, yeah it's kind of across the board i suppose mine is basically just like no sci- well nolan but like <laughs> sci-fi and then the occasional yeah. like very real human story like <laughs> before midnight <laughs> the sparrow sparrow's right his is like an is an aesthetic yeah. thing cool all right all righty all righty so uh join us next decade <laughs> um all right so it's goodbye from me it's goodbye from benas uh bye-bye bye from louis bye from tomorrow bye see ya